Hey, everybody, it's Ben Kwam, co-host of hopefully your favorite podcast, Libations for Everyone. Today's episode is sponsored by Foundry Nation. Foundry Nation loves THC. Born in Minnesota, they partner with farms throughout the Midwest to supply high-quality seed-to-table THC products. Uh, I've tried their sodas such as Orange Tangy, Strawberry Fields, and Granddaddy Purple. They're incredible. I love them. They're fantastic. Great CBD treats for dogs. They have all kinds of stuff. It's amazing. As our partner, they're offering all of our listeners an exclusive 20% off with the code LIBATIONS20, capital L-I-B-A-T-I-O-N-S-2-0. The future is dope. Thank you so much. Now, let's get on with the show. So this is like the action hand. This is my keys hand. Keys, yeah, totally. And it's just been miserable. I've screwed yeah, myself. Yeah. Well, of course. Like no matter what, every time I put my hand in my pocket, there's a key pointing straight up at my mouth. I'll pray to Cthulhu for your healing. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. I need I need Cthulhu's help. <laughs> His healing powers. Yes. Um, well, so we have a little bit of a different order for today because uh, we have a guest who uh, had two different groups send gifts so i feel like before we get into that and before we pour anything we should probably have uh our world traveling world beating guest introduce yourself and then we can kind of go from there so uh thank you for being here it took us a little while to figure out schedules because we're all adults who have things all over the place i'm pretending like somehow my life re- requires as much uh tight tightrope walking as yours does <laughs> Um, but would you introduce yourself to our listeners and uh, let them know kind of what, you, what you're doing? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Dessa. I am very excited to be here in the underground basement headquarters. Yes. Finally on the podcast. And <laughs> my gig, in short, is like touring as a musician, yep. doing some writing uh, on science stuff or on travel stuff. And or on life stuff, or some life stuff, you know? yeah, some life stuff. Uh, the occasional, the occasional poem and like performance piece thrown in. So for me, yeah, kind of touring in the language arts is the gig. That's. I was trying for two days to try and figure out a way to sum it up, and I, honestly, that's probably the best way to do it. You're touring on language arts, all things linguistic involved. I got to write the synopsis too, so that's gonna be goofy. Yeah, like trying to. <laughs> surmise all of that in a sentence (laughs) fuck around right for the new york times pop up to a podcast on bbc no big deal work with some of the smartest like scientific minds about neurology like that's fine just you know like it's just like if any one of those gigs like had dental you know what i mean you could kick it but yeah it's like it's cobbled together a lot of stuff and and i I dig generally i dig the the variety yeah yeah also for everybody out there listening just a, a reminder whenever you question why the artist that you love hasn't put out something in a while or isn't going on tour in a while. Like just a reminder that none of this shit comes with medical or dental. None of this shit comes with any sort of safety net. Like when things are great, they're great. But when they're not like everyone wants to do the tour bus that they see out in the parking lot until they actually go on the tour bus and (laughs) smell what it smells like in there and all of the things. And that's just the tour bus. Now you scale it back to the van. That's what I'm saying. I'm still, I'm still in van life. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm still hashtag van life. So. 
I, so the I, reason I'm so mad at George R. R. Martin is because he doesn't have a vision plan. <laughs> yes, yes, 100%. Oh, sorry, you can't also, see. You can't write if you can't see. Okay, I do I love it. the idea of you just holding like a very <laughs> angry uh, feeling towards George R. R. Martin. It, totally, especially because I haven't even finished the first book. I'm so mad about the last one. <laughs> I'm so mad about the end, I didn't even start it. You're right. <laughs> what you got on me now? I, I'll read them all when the last one's out, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, so a couple different people uh, hollered when, when we talked about that this was going to be the next episode. So uh, one is a very small company with somebody who is near and dear to me. So I'm going to start with that one. And I, I literally had to go grab a bag to bring all this. I'm so, so excited. I'm going to show you some stuff and then don't worry. I'm, I'm not going to try and make you like carry it home like a juggler. So the first this, thing. I'm going to do this ASMR real quick though. Oh yeah, get that. Oh, that was so that good. Was, that was spicy. Hold on. Yes. I'm just giving you some applause for that. <laughs> the, now that you remember the button. Yeah, the, um, the sound effect dynamic with me being the only one who wears headphones is the most entertaining part of my, my position in this whole thing because I get to hit sound effects that nobody else hears until the episode comes out. And most of the time I laugh out loud and no one has any <laughs> idea why because I'm a crazy person. Uh, all right, so there is a small company here in Minneapolis, Minnesota called Flickr and Fizz. And uh, the owner of the company, the creator of the company is a giant fan. So she has sent this bag and you don't have to open it. But um, what Flickr and Fizz does is they go around to garage sales, estate sales, anything like that. They find vintage glasses. And then Jesse comes up with a cocktail for a reason, for the season, or for a person. And then she creates a candle, a soy candle, that the scent mimics one of the flavors or the scents in the drink. And then when you're done with the candle, you can just wash out the glass and then you have a matching set. Oh, come on. Oh, wait. vintage glassware. Okay, so I don't have to open this thing. Can I open Absolutely this thing? Absolutely okay. you can. I am the most like snack, cocktail, and novelty item motivated person well, that I then, know. Then this is I'm perfect. so stoked. That checks most of the boxes. She was, she, so was, uh, she was very, very worried. She's <sighs> like, I think... This is her style, but like I have no idea, so I'm just guessing. Damn, this is dope. Okay, so for the radio audience, right? Yeah. I, I just pulled out. I would say like maybe maybe an eight by eight, beautifully origamied little box here with a nice note. Pulled it out Aww. of the bag. Oh my god, I'm, I'm not. Like, oh, wow. She's, wow, she stopped it. She's going buck. Okay, so there's like beautiful foil printed. Shit, and I'm a oh man, it's like it's like guilt on navy paper. It's this is highly highly Instagramable stuff. Absolutely, okay. bang a nice note. That's between me and Jesse. Not <laughs> don't worry yeah. about it. And then there's these two. I'm going in. Wow, Just these go two for it. like yeah. stemmed, yeah, like stemmed glassware pieces. One for the cocktail and one for the candle. This is so fresh to me. And then there's also the recipe for the cocktail in there. So fresh. So This uh, is such a win. Yeah. Cool. Hey, right on. This is well, such a win. Uh, I was just explaining this this operation to somebody, but I forgot who they were. Yeah. So this is serendipitous. Because like two weeks ago, I think it might have been, even been Marnie. I was explaining what this is and then I was like, oh, I can't find it. You can't just Instagram that. Yeah. Who are they? So I do know her, her Instagram is Flickr and Fizz. Um, and if you're in the Twin Cities area in Minnesota, she tries to go to as many of like the craft shows as, as she can. And then sometimes it's also based on like just finding the glassware. Like there's times where 
you know, you, you have a treasure trove, and then there's times where it's really hard to find stuff. Does she have an online presence for out-of-state guests? Uh, yeah, I believe so. So I think if you just look up, if you Google Flickr and Fizz, the, the store should come up. Um, I know that they had a ton of holiday traffic. But, www.flickrfizz.com. Um, there it is. Look at that. Wow, so, so banging. This is so fresh. Uh, yeah, I, and shout out again to Jesse. Uh, everything that, that Flickr and Fizz does is, is pretty rad. So if you're looking for a gift for somebody that's sometimes maybe hard to shop for, or somebody who's a fan of this podcast, they're getting a drink recipe and some really cool glassware. So that's pretty rad. And then your other gift bag is the rest of this giant <laughs> Target bag from our sponsors at Foundry Nation and Balance. Uh, an amazing THC company right here in the Twin Cities. Uh, they ship all over the country. Um, you can either look them up as Balanced with no vowels, so B-L-N-C-D, or Foundry Nation. Um, for all of the listeners out there, uh, they're still offering our 20% off code. So if you put in Libations 20, capital yep, L, L, I-B-A-T-I-O-N-S 20, or just like look how to spell Libations on the podcast. It's on your phone. Just look at your phone. Um, but anyway, anything that you want, uh, they can ship it to you. So they kind of went above and beyond. And I, I'm not going to grab everything out yeah. one by one. But they gave you uh, a really beautiful three-pack of cans in a beautiful box of three different lines of their products. Oh. Uh, two are THC-based. One is solely CBD, just for relaxing. They gave you um, some uh, citrus gummies that are all five milligram, like low-dose. They gave you um, a tattoo balm. I actually did not know if you what? have tattoos, but oh, for, if you don't, somebody else will. For yeah. like, for after you get a tattoo, Dope. it's oh. like a THC based um, healing lotion, so it dulls the pain and keeps everything moisturized. And then uh, they really thought of everything, right? And then my favorite product, which we've talked about on the show before, which uh, Charles I gave to you a few weeks ago, is um, it's literally a pain stick. So if you have a sore elbow or a sore neck or a sore knee, if you have a crazy show yeah. and you're feeling it a little bit afterwards, just literally topically wherever you have an ache or a pain, just rub it on there. And have you done that? I have. have did you put it on your lacerated thumb? I did not. <laughs> I don't. I hadn't thought about like if an open wound is where think, I'm supposed yeah, to put it. I feel like yeah. that's probably that'll, I think that'll burn. <laughs> yeah. That'll burn. But uh, the running joke, one of the running jokes on this podcast is literally how massive my head is. And as we talked about at metal shows, uh, I have to know that if I'm going to headbang at a show, the next day my neck is going to kill. And literally three stripes of that the next day, and I felt amazing. Huh. So I 100% can personally attest, and I just think it's rad. Dope. So all of the... The satchel of fun is, is all right here, and we'll send you home with all that. Thank you. Yeah, I've been using that stick on my shitty-ass neck. It's nice. It feels good. Yeah. Like, is, I, is it like, can, like, is there a reference, like, does it feel like Icy Hot? It, I, I don't have a lot of experience with Icy Hot, but it's what I imagine Icy Hot feels like. There's a warming <laughs> I don't yeah. touch to it without, yeah. like, the, the menthol cooling. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's more just, like... You definitely feel like something's there. I, I think. Yeah, there's like a spicy tingle. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. That's a spicy tingle. It's called a. I, I think it's funny. It's a called stingle? a pain stick because when you say that, I, I just think of like tanfas. You know the martial arts sticks. The, with pain Jeff Speakman, uh, American Warrior. 
Did I was he? thinking of Orchid and Killer Instinct. Well, yeah, that's way better. Oh. <laughs> well, it's like way glow sticks reference. glow, and rain sticks sound like rain, so pain stick yeah. sounds like it's full of pain. It's going right? to just yeah. really hurt. Yeah, so you are pain correct. Stick. Yeah, you are correct. <laughs> I'll f- uh, I don't know what to do. Don't make me bust out the pain stick. I feel Ta-da. like a, oof, a relief stick just gets me into a whole different world. <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. I, don't, I don't like that at they all. They probably struggled with that one for a yeah, while. Like, what the fuck do we call this thing? Uh, well, Charles, what are, we, what are we drinking? We had that. We heard that gorgeous pop. As we are technically yeah. celebrating the new year. We are technically uh, celebrating the new year. Our this first show dated 2023. It's our first 2023 app. Ep. Episode uh, 70. We're drinking bubs. Yeah. We're drinking bubs. I got this bottle of uh, Le Corte God Bilan. Uh, it's a champagne. It's Grand Cru or Premier Cru Rosé. Um, nice and dry, light sweetness. It's, uh, I love how floral that is. Nice. Holy shit, that's really it good. really nice. Never had it. Oh, yeah. Bing, bing, bing. Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year. Oh, that's And it's that's pretty. Weird. That'll do. Yeah. Uh, so what, what, were you in town for New Year's? I was, in, I was on the West Coast for New Year's. Yeah. Wild Whoops. Show, start just... again. Start again. <laughs> I was on the East Coast. Ah, there, there it is. It's the same. Just turn it side, sideways. And then we're good. I was on the right-hand side of the map for, for New Year's. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like for a show or just I wasn't no this somewhere yeah I wasn't so it's I think New Year's shows are very often a little bit double edged at least uh, I should say for me so like if I were I don't know if Depeche Mode or something it's a different vibe but I think very often like somebody on the booking committee was like you know who I like Dessa and then everybody who comes to the New Year's show is like it's party time and I'm like what about this sad literary rap song instead <laughs> and it's like I totally I totally feel for them like it's not generally the night for that um so on the whole like you kind of hope for an offer because there's this huge premium you know you get paid mm-hmm. I don't know in fact it's two or three something like that so it's a, it's a payday yeah but I'm not a great fit for New Year's so I'm never my heart is never broken if a show doesn't materialize generally yeah my uh, my wife will attest to the fact that uh, I tried to stop DJing on New Year's Eves like ten years ago. Really? And I said until they stop offering more money every time, I, like I'll, I'll stop as soon as they stop offering more money. And then every year it went up by a factor of a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. And I had I'd like come to her at like December first to be like, so it's it's this, and she's like, go like that's we can go on a trip for that, like go do yeah, that thing, yeah, yeah. And then it's always like I get myself hyped up, and then I just I don't. I love the idea of I New know. Year. I love it. I, the, the whole like we're starting the calendar over, you know, all that. Sh- I love that. In practice, it's fucking awful. I would much rather just like chill at home and and yeah. cook a dinner. Well, how does it feel behind the tables as opposed to it's awful because like, all all everybody wants like basically same song. It's kind of like what you were just saying. Like, it's impossible to play anything that's not a complete banger because everybody's been getting dressed up and pre-gaming yes. and going out yeah. and celebrating and wooing and high-fiving. And then as soon as midnight hits, no one gives a fuck about anything. Right. And then you either have people that just want to get out of there because they want to go home and have sex a couple minutes into the New Year's yep. or they just want to drink themselves into a hole that no one can get out of. Where they can't get an Uber and they're like stuck between those yep. two values. And they, <laughs> yeah. they don't dance. I don't want a $200 Uber. So. Half the people like haven't been out in six months. It's amateur so night. It's yeah. amateur night. Like it's, oh, right. it's Halloween, but with the same costume. Like for some people, it's the only night they go out. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't, none of those days I want to have anything okay. to do with. But then I really take a deep breath and I have to admit to myself that 
my feelings about it only go as far as my bank account. So <laughs> if you offer enough, I'll be like, never mind. I love this. Yeah, I never totally. recorded anything about that. I still have like a silver sequin dress that I don't throw away. Yeah. Which makes it difficult for me to argue to myself that I'm not doing yeah. that again. Like there's nowhere to wear that fucking dress. <laughs> I, I do I do have to admit though, like that is one I, I am very jealous of the versatility of what is considered like the traditional like female wardrobe in, in uh, our culture. Sure, sure, sure. Cause like we basically have like suitor tucks and they pretty much all look alike. Like we have started to see a lot more differentiation with like the suits, aka uh, upstairs at Club Caraway with Derek doing yep. bespoke suits. Uh, but we, we don't, we just don't really have that many different options and I'm hoping to try and figure out like different things that we can do. Cause that's one, it's one of my favorite things when like we're getting dressed up for my wife cause she opens the side of her closet that she does, doesn't open very often. Yeah. And there's like giant colors and big patterns. Yeah. And does that dress have two cans on it? Like, fuck it, let's roll. I love that side of things. And if we could make it just a little bit more festive and then not go to the same like eight bars where everybody else is. Shouting, just hoping they can count together. Were you yeah. guys both at home for when the ball dropped? We we all worked, I th I think, because you DJed and you I did not DJ. I officiated a wedding. A, oh, you had a wedding. That's yeah. what it was. I yeah, officiated I, my thirty first wedding. That was, that's that's a good number. It's thirty is a nice round number. But thirty was a nice round. Forty. Well, I was kind of. I, I was like, <laughs> all right, thirty is a good way to end the year. You know, it's like it yeah. was November, and I'm like pretty sure my calendar's closed yeah and then one of my friends hit me up and he's like we would love super intimate ceremony and jenny and i fucked off at like 9 45 and rolled out it was great oh, okay we got to have a couple drinks with everybody we did some dancing and then when no one was looking we literally like <sighs> backed out of the room and just ran down got in our not car bad, went home. yeah i'm stretching credulity to say that i worked because i organized an event for club caraway we went to a beautiful steakhouse in minneapolis here called ps steak we had a Big group that dined together, uh, you know, surf and turf and bubbles and martinis as one does. And then we came back here to the club, drank more bubbles and whiskey and smoked cigars and then just rang in the new year. So I, I air quotes worked, but it was it was a lot of fun. It's a light, it sounds like a light lift. Yeah. I mean, I just organized. I didn't have to actually do anything that night except okay. be present. So can't All complain. Right. You're pretty decent at that. Being present. You're present Thank to you. me. <laughs> yeah, but also, I just wanted to hold that. That's smile. also that's also like quite a the compliment to tell someone they're good at being present these days. Yeah, that's right. Hey, you're not wrong. <laughs> Thanks for taking my cheesy compliment and turning it into a serious thing about whether or not we're giving our phones too much time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Fair. Uh, randomly, uh, on an episode that we recorded, the same episode that we may have lost a gentleman upstairs, uh, I was introduced <laughs> to something that I had never had before. Are you are you an oyster fan at all? I am, okay. I should say this. I'm an oyster enthusiast and not a connoisseur. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like some folks like, oh, well, I mean, the West Coast, obviously I didn't know where I spent, you know, New Year's Eve, <laughs> but I, I really enjoy them. Okay. Yeah, so they busted out raw oysters. What, who's they? Uh, so, the uh, so Nick and Tommy, no, uh, guessed on, on a, a few shows ago. At the, okay. uh, the Mr. Paul. Mr. Episode. Paul's Supper Club uh, in Edina, Minnesota. They busted out raw oysters and they poured dry uh, sparkling over them. And we took that. Oh, as, this is new to me. Yeah, new to us. New to us. New to yeah. us. Had never. I've drank champagne, super decadent, and sparkling wine with, with dozens of oysters. Never once have I thought to go boop. And holy shit, like a whole new thing. Is there a name? Okay, so you know when you usually. God shit. 
so I had oysters on New Year's, mm-hmm. and um, what do you call the the, the standard accoutrement min, minion? Yeah, minionette. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, is there a name for it when it's served that way? Uh, I think that's just traditional. Just serve, like an oyster service. Yeah. And you got like the lemons and the hot oh, sorry, sauce sorry. or the cocktail sauce and then the minionette. Oh, is there a name for with the champagne? Or yeah, the sparkling? with the champagne. Oh, um, they probably made one up because I, they, yeah. oh, they said that thing. they, yeah. yeah, they said they just oh. decided to try it. So, so I think there's. What, what Nick actually said was that. Did they, they name it? They, they bought, they thought before they opened, uh, similar, I, I can only speak, I was only a part of actually recording one album, but. Similar to when you think you know what song everybody is going to get behind, and then everybody goes for a completely different song. Yeah, uh, they thought somehow that um, sparkling splits, little three seven fives, were going to be the thing that everybody oh, wanted right. to go for because they made it like marginally affordable, and people just kept ordering a glass from the big bottle. So they've been sitting on all these little split, little itty bitty bottles of champagne, and then finally one day Nick was like, "We got to figure out something to do with it. What can we do with uh-huh. with?" different appetizer ideas and somebody just poured some on an oyster and ate it and it went over well. Interesting. So I don't, until somebody and tells I, me I different, know, yeah, I, I will call it Mr. It. Paul style oysters, Interesting. Cool. but highly recommend. Cool. And if you end up out somewhere and that comes around and bubbles are a possibility, I, I cannot recommend that highly just enough. Splash them in there. You know, since that episode, I've done that twice. Really? Okay. Yeah. And what did your table mates make of it uh because i had they didn't have a split so i just had to order a glass of bubbles and then yeah. there's clearly enough for me to just basically i had to give up my glass to the rest of the table so they could all Dose try them. but everybody did Dope. it was it was rad Dope. heck yeah i'm into it what do you think should we uh we got the bubbles poured we yeah, got dessa here let's roll in i am uh up to bat get it okay dessa what is your favorite meal if you had to choose? Could be breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or something weirder like Brinner or guilty <laughs> midnight shredded cheese with an open fridge door. <laughs> I am a big fan, although I partake infrequently, of breakfast for dinner. Ooh, love. The right? Love. Right? Yeah. That can go savory. That can go sweet. That can be cheesy and rich or ridiculous. So I recently went over to my friend's house, the same one who I was kicking it with for New Year's. She has a couple little kids. And we did like mini, I'm also a big fan of like anything mini, it's like mini breakfast for dinner. So like if you freeze an egg. Okay. And then imagine that egg sitting on its side, right? Okay. It's frozen. You hit it on the counter, you real quick like take the peel off. And then if you've got a really sharp knife and you slice that egg, the resultant frozen slices all have a circumference of white and an inner bit of yolk so you can fry them up as mini eggs. Come on. You feel me? So mm. yeah, we did like little tiny That's breakfast sandwiches. Awesome. It was fun. Like and you said you made them into sandwiches? Yeah. Oh, what else did you do like little, any little like ti- yeah, cheese, the, little little protein? Of course, okay. right? Yeah, a little bit of cheese. Yeah. You know, the, the kids the kids we found little tiny uh, little tiny buns and stuff. So that that was a recent favorite uh, concept. That's mm. awesome. That's adorable. I love that. The little uh, egg slices. That's cool. I I love to try that. Yeah, I, I also have, I don't think I've ever frozen an egg. I think I just need to do that. That seems like, I could sort of hashtag science to that, right? Let's look at me go. I'm going to Bill Nye the science guy the shit out of that. Um, I love the way that you wrote this because I am a huge proponent of, uh, of every food tastes better and every drink tastes better if you're leaning on the refrigerator door whilst yeah. consuming it. Yeah. Uh, I very rarely will drink a glass of milk but my wife usually has a, a carton of milk in there. 
One one swig off ice cold milk uh-huh. whilst holding the, the door open. It's amazing. From the carton? From the carton, yeah. With a snack, though? You what got a snack up in there? Well, just... it, it depends on what's going on, right? Okay. Uh, we've talked about a lot that I am not a huge dessert person, but cookies and milk, great oh, combo. Yeah. Donuts and milk, great combo. So if there's something like that, that's usually where I'll go. Um, if there's any sort of a frozen pizza or food that is easy to eat with a single hand, because, again, other hand, holding door open. Right. Uh, I will absolutely crush like an entire piece of of uh, cold pizza. Hmm. I'd prefer if it was room temperature, but if it's with or without milk, without that. Okay, I don't like milk, so I'm just <laughs> trying to figure out which things you do. And I think milk I, with that one, I honestly think it really is just the nostalgia. Because some yeah. people do, some people drink milk with everything. Yeah, I don't, I don't ever. But crave those people it. like are from 1952, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. They yeah. stepped out of the Rockefeller painting. Yeah, exactly. Your bones are melting. <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> I, yeah, that, like I really, I giggled last night because I, I dropped my wife off. Uh, she's in California for a week on business. Dropped off at the airport, came home, made dinner, put dinner away, did the dishes. And then literally like 45 minutes later, I, I was back at that fridge store. Were you? Yeah. And I was like, just hold it open. like Just the light of the door illuminating you. Did like the the, yeah. the proud dad squat, like very mm-hmm. slowly sunk down like, yeah. Let's see what we got in here. I, I, do, I do have a re- full refrigerator. <laughs> I have provided, even though like she laps me on all that. But uh, and then, yeah, I picked up, I got a little, little, little celery and carrots over here. Oh, all right. What do we got up here? Oh, we got, got a little something savory over here. Oh. There's a fork on the counter. I can grab a little pad thai. I just had a little little mm. uh, little sampler. All right, and it was amazing. <laughs> and I wouldn't if you hadn't worded the question that way. I definitely wouldn't have answered that way. Yeah. But that 100 percent is. As soon as I read that, I'm like, oh, that's my favorite fucking meal. That's the ice bar. You know, everything's huh. chilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I'll also <laughs> do every now and then. Um, so I don't have to say allegedly anymore. There are oh. uh, THC things in my fridge as well, and. Um, I will also take like whatever fruit juice I may have left and I'll make like a, a, a wee little mini THC cocktail, huh. uh, trying not to like drink alcohol, especially like later in the evening, sleep better, feel better, healthier, all that. That has been a really nice, like I want a taste of something more and this will also help me sleep in like 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, cool. Is it so, that fast, 20 minutes? Yeah, 20 to 30 minutes for anything that's like, uh, like water soluble. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, if, if, Rule of thumb, if anything is made with, like, coconut oil or butter or anything like that, it takes your body longer to break that down. Right. So that can be more in, like, the 45 to an hour. Um, but usually for me, everything times out pretty easily that I can, like, drink that, make sure everything's wiped down in the kitchen, turn lights off, go brush my teeth, make sure my dog will watch me and wait until I get into bed and then decide that she has to pee. So I'll try and, like, fake her out a couple times, <laughs> see if I can get her outside. And then once I'm in bed, usually everything kind of just starts... Just a nice little, like, warm, oh, that's nice. And then I don't, my brain just kind of goes quiet, and then I, I go to sleep, which is something that was impossible for me for, like, 20 years. So it's been, it's been great for my mental health to be able to do that. So in addition to all of the ridiculous snacks, there's also, like, a little, a little bedtime fella. I mean, Charles, what, what about you? Uh, I'm going to be lame and say dinner. No. Well, the reasoning I'm for, leaving. I mean, up until 10 years ago, I would have said. Flip the table. Yeah. Up until 10 years ago, I probably would have said like breakfast or brunch. And that was because that was always the indicator uh, when I was younger that like, 
good times are here. It's the weekend, right? Uh, you go to sure. get you go to get a big breakfast and a Bloody Mary and the coffee and the croissant and the you know like you just got the the whole spread and it harkens the arrival of your actual weekend. But now, because I go to these bougie ass restaurants. I mean, it's a good time whenever I want there to be a good time. So if I go to a nice restaurant, like the good times are here. It doesn't matter what day it is, but that usually happens at dinner. I don't lunch almost ever. What I do don't you mean? actually. Do you mean you don't go out to lunch? Or you don't eat lunch. Like I don't eat lunch a lot. Yeah, really? I, just two. You're just a two a two meal guy. Well, kind of a one so meal guy. It's a the lunch the lunch that I have is like you could I guess subjectively call it a lunch because I eat something. Starting at 1 p.m. because I do intermittent fasting. I don't eat breakfast during the week. But for lunch, like, I have a couple of things that I eat for sustenance. It's like a handful of gravel. Yeah, totally. Some source twigs. Yeah, Yeah, throw gravel in my mouth and I throw a frozen egg in there to break it down. (laughs) uh, I'm in. The the only, like, square meal, like, real meal I eat every day is dinner. And that's a big to-do. You know, either we're, like, cooking or we're going out to eat, something like that. So I guess by default... It's usually the big deal meal that I have every day, but also it's almost always the big deal meal that I have in a given week, either going out or making something really fussy at home where, you know, you got the wine and the candles and you're doing the me's and you're playing some jazz and, you know, the dog's begging for food and Mm -hmm. like, it's the big, it's the event. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then of course, you know, when you go out to eat somewhere that you've wanted to go for a long time or you haven't been to for a while or one of your regular haunts, that always feels like, hey, the party's here in a way that I would have only felt when I was younger when you have breakfast Saturday morning when you've had a lot to drink the night before and you're like, all right, it's the weekend. Is This is a weird question, but do you is Minneapolis still home when you think home? You know, I, this sounds so like insufferable even to myself as I say it, but I would say in casual conversation, I might use the word, oh, I'm going to head home, yeah. you know, but I think in some way like, the past 10 or 15 running around a bunch and to be totally frank like the the spot that i have here is like um it's safe and warm and but it's like not very adult you know it's not it's not nice it's like it's like a totally cool functional crash pad to come home you know get some work done mm-hmm. sleep comfortably but it doesn't feel like oh that's a that's a grown-up place for a lady to so it's just like <laughs> it's not that tight and so i think in some ways um like i remember being really tired on tour a few years ago and i was like all right just a little rundown i was like i want to go home and then realizing like, i don't know where that I don't think I have that. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah that's, so, that's absolutely real. Yeah, so so they, I would say that the that the like general associations of like friends and fan, you know, that kind of stuff, are, have scattered a little bit. But there isn't necessarily, um, there isn't a bed sure. that sleeping in it feels a hundred percent home. But there's a lot that feel home like and familiar. So the reason I asked, and maybe this would be kind of in that that home like uh, vibe, but um, you know what Charles was just saying about like. Sometimes you're at home doing the thing and you're cooking and in your thing. And then sometimes, you know, you want to go out and, uh, I have caught myself the, the places that I would consider like my like home restaurants are usually the places that I'll go when I've been gone for a while. Like I'll want to go back there because it makes me feel like anchored. Like, do you, do you have something like that? Like you get off the plane, whether it's here in New York or wherever, is there a spot that makes you kind of feel like centered? Like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm home. Sort of like when you would see brunch come out, you're like, I'm where I need to be. I don't have to worry about anything for a little bit. Sure. Like, is there? Yeah, I would. I would say yes, but I would say is that for the for the like when you were mentioning um, when Charles was mentioning like you know 
going out to a nice spot. I was like, I think that's one of the things this year. I was actually like looking at a list of like, mm. like I was a tourist that had just landed in the city that I grew up in. I was like, best Minneapolis restaurant. Because I think in some ways, like it's, there's such a, there's such an easy rut that I fall into or I wait too long until I'm desperately hungry and then I just go to what's near. But like, I think for me, the homey spots feel like there's a couple spots by my neighborhood where it's a familiar face more than maybe it's like, Bang in, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Then it's yeah. like yeah. bang and fair, but the grocery like grocery shopping is my favorite chore. I do it two times a day sometimes, yes. three times yeah. a day. Yes, oh yes. So, you know what? I'm gonna go to the wedge. I'm gonna do my hippie shit at the wedge. Yeah. I'm gonna do my yeah. fancy shit right at Kowalski's mm-hmm. or Lunds if I'm feeling very fancy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I'll I'll do a lot of that kind of stuff where um where those places like stocking up makes me feel at home. Yeah. That's. I, I 100% identify with that and I love that. Like I love, my wife and I try to do Airbnbs more than hotels when we travel and okay. part of that is because I like to like, I like to cook a meal in a, a city or a country that isn't my home yeah. because it makes me feel like it almost tricks my brain into thinking like, oh, we live here now. Yes. And my favorite part of that experience is grocery <laughs> shopping. Because yeah. I, I want to be like, where do you keep your shit? What kind of, what, what does your aisle makeup look like? What do these shelves look and like? And what's this weird brand of Lupini beans? Like, yeah. yeah, I love that. That's my favorite. I think traveling, I love grocery shopping. That's I love awesome. it at home. I love it abroad. Yeah. Perfect. All right. That, that makes me happy. Sorry for the, the, the sidely divergent question, but. I'm fascinated by that. The things that make us feel like home. I think there's also this idea that like, you know, when you're really far away from home, there are so few things that you can do like a uh, local what You can't go to your job. You don't have a freaking job. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Very often you can't speak the language completely. Right. You can navigate the public transport, which does feel rad, but everybody grocery shops. And so it feels like, yeah. ah, this is like, you know, 30 minutes of what it would feel like to li- that imagined fantasy. This is what 30 minutes of living here might feel like. And like, if you go to a restaurant especially if it's on like the nicer and like, you don't know if any of these people act or dress like this in their normal lives. But if you're at the grocery store, there's a pretty good chance that you're seeing people like guard down. (laughs) I got other shit on my mind. I'm trying to remember not to forget lemons. Like I don't Mm -hmm. care if my socks don't match. I, I love being, you can like disappear into the normalcy of, of like a different culture's life. And I really truly love that feeling because it's, it's rare. It's hard to find that. You know, whether you're stuck in like a, a tourist trap or you're somewhere where everybody wants to get dressed up to go so they're not quite being their authentic selves. Yeah. Like you see a better cross-section of like who random humans are when you're like wandering around or groceries. I put earphones in and then I pretend that people can't see yeah. me because I can't hear anything. Like yeah. it's very clear everyone can see me, but it makes me feel like I'm just like watching and I'm just like thinking about people's lives. Oh, it's, that's so fun. Oh, I love the best. it. I love it. All right. Well, cheers. Hey, cheers. Hello, hello. Still me. Oh, it's you again. Yeah, you're right. Still me. Where are we at? All right. Topic number two. Okay, this is a fun one. What's something that you hated when you were a kid that you love as an adult? And I'll just I'll give a couple examples. Yeah. Even if you don't use one, because I think a lot of people go directly to food. I'm not saying don't go to food. Okay. But I think that's a thing that we mostly just refer to with yep. memories like these. But like siblings, some people hate their siblings okay. when they're kids. Uh, silence. Like sitting in silence is something that most children can't do, but adults like to do, or like taking a bath. Oh, <laughs> that's a good <laughs> one too. I mean, I would say that I might still have a little bit of, like there's a little bit of fraught tension in my relationship to bedtime. Ooh, yep. yeah. But 
I love sleep. And I think that's like, that's, that's a classic adult thing, right? It's like, you just don't want to turn the lights out in your head when you're a kid, irrespective of how increasingly <laughs> like difficult it remains to keep your head vertical on your own neck. Like just sleep is the enemy. Gonna fight it. Sleep is the damn enemy. Mm-hmm. And now of course it's like, you know, I can't wait to turn the lights off in my freaking head. So yeah, I would say that's one for me. But okay, wh- maybe one more. Also, this is tangential, but I'm going to... Yeah. Let's do it. I, when someone asks, what's your favorite color? Well, I know what my favorite color is. I've been saying it for so long. It's red. <laughs> the other day, I was looking at items that I buy, and I was like, you're acting a fuck ton like your favorite color is teal. <laughs> like, just objectively, yeah. motherfucker, you are collecting a lot of teal shit. Like, so is that right now, or has it been a while that you've it's, been it's, on the at teal first, train? It first kind of pinged on my radar that yeah. maybe my introspection had been kind of asleep <laughs> at the wheel for 10 years. Uh, yeah, a couple years ago, but I was like, when there is an array of objects from which to choose, your hand is run into the opposite side of the color spectrum. So I also wonder if in some way, although I still love red, there's been like a bubbling up of a greater affinity as years have gone by. Do you think, it, like, do you prefer like a, a bright red or like a darker, like brick red? Where, where are you at on that spectrum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not, uh, I would say like slightly more lipstick than hydrant. Okay. So, so like so still though, like a rich Super red. But yeah. you, you've kind of chosen two colors that work well because they're opposites. Thank you so very much. What, doesn't it almost seem like you're, you're matching what you like? There's a consistency. Like you're creating a fun there. pattern there. I, I love that. I love no, that. It's like, a, like liking sweet and salty. Like you're like, I'm like a red and teal. Fuck off, man. Fuck well, out, like, dude. Mind your own business. It makes it pretty. Exactly. But I, th- but I think there's also this idea that our impression of ourselves can become stilted by virtue of the fact that we're not, there's really no occasion when someone's like, hey, could you just double check? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. We just sort of Are have you a, sure? Yeah, we have a file that you never click update on, you know, and I think your introspective programs don't run automatic. And so it did make me sort of wonder, like, wait a minute, are there other, like, should I be going to the app store of myself yes. and hitting update? Because there's other things I just yeah. haven't considered for 10 years, right. you know? You can change your mind. Yeah. People need to know that part, too. But sometimes it forget. changes and it doesn't alert you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, Yeah. Yeah, no, it can occur naturally. I was a I was a blue boy when I was and? a kid. I was like, blue, blue is my color. I'm also a creative, so it's weird to pick one of your favorite children. But technically, I have picked one of my favorite children over the last, like, four years. Kwam, you know, the color that I've been obsessed with, like, morbidly over the last four to five years. Uh, Army green. Mm-hmm. Yes. This color right here, this color. Like, yes. I just started getting everything in army green. And then I started to say, like, Pantone's wrong. Army green is the color of the year. Like, I annoyed the shit out of my wife with that. And, <laughs> and I believe, like, 2019. And then every year since then, I still say it's color of the year. It's still, nobody, Marty, nobody four years about, running. It's still color of the year. As somebody who just officiated a <laughs> wedding and was talking about, like, that it's an active word and you have to work at it. Like, I, I have to figure out a way to be like, marriage is actually arguments about whether or not Pantone's wrong. Like that's, yeah. that's really like, that's the, that's most of your time. Or listening to one of the people in that, in the marriage talk about that and the other person being like, it's just patience one person yeah. expressing <laughs> way too much about a certain yeah. topic. And then right. the other one trying to remi- remind themselves that they love this person incredibly. Like that's, that's yeah. kind of the balance. Usually we most situations are, are a, a seesaw of that. We had some friends in town that year, whatever it was, 2019, I believe, and they were doing trivia at a bar, and I don't like playing trivia at a bar, but I know some of the answers, and they asked what the Pantone color of the year was, and I, like, turned over to the group I was with, and I was like, it's, it was a blue, I don't remember the one, like, I knew the name at the time, it was like Jazz Blue or something, I was like, it's Jazz Blue, but 
it's actually Army Army Green. Green. And they were like, what does that mean? And I was like, never mind. It's jazz blue. (laughs) I'll put it on a t-shirt. Shut up. (laughs) Also, it occurs to me that your favorite colors are also the lenses of uh, 3D. Oh. Because it's it's not a blue in a 3D glasses. It's more of like a like a teal cyan. What is the okay? So I was thinking too. I wish I had like an item so that I could hold it up in the basement to be better identified. But like, it's like a teal that's had a good deal of maybe white, like that 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 leans in to like a sea foam a little bit. So it's not like a dark. Is it um, Charlotte Hornets teal? Tell me about that. Let's try to have a conversation about oh, color with no swatches. Yeah. Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning, Muggsy Bogues. Yeah. Picture it. And everyone wanted, those, everyone wanted those starter jackets. Or some of us it's had just, one. It's on the lighter <laughs> It's on the lighter end of teal. Yeah, like maybe. The okay. color of my bedroom when I was a kid was midnight teal, which is not teal. It's like super dark. But yeah. it's, it's, a little, it's like a dark blue with a little bit of green in it. Okay. But I feel like the teal you're talking about, because I'm marrying the value of a seafoam green, which is not teal, yep. and like your standard teal. Yes. The Charlotte Hornets teal is just like a lighter. I think it might be yeah. on that scale. Yeah, and what's what's the difference between an army green and an olive green? Olive's got a little more yellow in it. Okay, I do like some olive greens, but some of them are. It's almost like a subjective color where some are like they have too much yellow in them, yeah. and to me that's like puke green. Pinky, yeah, but I like the. I like the lower end of yellow. So there's a hint of yellow in army green. Yeah. But it's usually, I know that that's, that's like ordering my burger pink instead of saying, like if it's a fatty patty, instead of saying medium rare, because they're like, sometimes they're just guessing. Yeah. If I say the word pink, then they know I mean. You're reminding like that, make yeah. Make it pink in the middle. Yeah. When I order something and it's army green, I know that there's going to be a little bit of yellow. But if I see an olive green shirt that I think I'm going to like, I don't know what's going to show up because I don't know how they edited their photos. That's, yeah, that's the other problem is right? when it's just a photo of it, like you don't even know what happened post-photo. True. Also, for like the two listeners out there that are picturing Charlotte Hornets highlights with Lou Graham's Midnight Blue in the background, I see you and I'm with you. And if you want to message me, I will uh, we'll pick a time and we can listen to Midnight Blue together. Because that's the, f- I'm sorry, that's all I can hear right now. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you love that song. I love that song. I might be the only one who loves that song. I think so. Yeah, that's fine. That's okay. Jason, thank you. We had some photos taken by our hey. good man, Jason. He is now uh, stepping hot. You're a beautiful Thanks, human. Jason. Bye. Don't get lost. Bye. Drive safe. Remember that step is icy. Okay, so I went from sleep resistant to huh? sleep embraceive. Yes. I mm. added a potential Charlotte Hornets. I do like that. To my universe. Yeah, you get, I mean, I'm what? sure there are many changes. What are your, yeah, no, that's <laughs> it. Otherwise, <laughs> I am my eight-year-old self. That's it, yeah. yeah you're still. <laughs> uh, what'd, you, what'd you change? The first thing that I thought of was uh, was minor key music. Ooh. Um, okay. As a complete, like, I was the kid growing up, Dessa, that I, like, did anything I could for money so that I could go to the store and buy uh, originally 45s and then tapes and then I was the first kid in my school to get a CD player. So that's I was going to say CDs. candy cigarettes, but <laughs> yeah. that's more also, ambitious. Also, uh, we shoplifted those. Sorry, Tom Thumb. Um, but uh, I was really, really, I was really, really pop hook focused. Yeah. So everything that I listened to, it was basically like it had to get filtered through the pop radio for me to get it. So like hip hop was kind of the first genre that I fell in love with that was like mine where it wasn't, I wasn't listening to the things that my parents told me to listen to. Um, and 
even in the hip hop choices that I made, it was almost exclusively like major key sing along uh, choruses and beats that I liked. And to the point where like, I remember to use Wu-Tang Clan as an, an example yeah. that most people would know. I remembered having a really tough time with Enter the 36 Chambers because yeah, okay. it was so dark yeah. and it was so minor and it was so like brooding. And I was like, it was this the- isn't, This isn't antithetical to what you're associating with cor- the, correct. the spirit of it. The feeling that I got with the hip hop that I fell in love with, even though some of the lyrics for some of the first records that I had were like atrocious and dark, it felt happy. Like if you listen to Easy es first solo album, lyrically it's awful. Most of the most of the samples are all pretty bright and it's fun. It's yeah. bouncy. Yeah. It's right. it throw your hands good. up. It's what you yeah. want to listen to on a really sunny day in a convertible. And I had a I had a really tough time. And I don't know when it happened. It wasn't even when I was in a band. Every fucking song I wrote was all major key. Like, but I have a question. Can yeah. I, can I, and I respect. Yeah. But like, okay, so for me, I are you musically trained? Yeah. Okay, carry on. <laughs> question answered. Uh-huh. Um. And it was, it was after, like, I took music theory classes in college, like, really pushing it. And the closest I could get to open me, opening me up a little bit was a, um, a, a music theory class. Uh, I had to do a project on Wagner. And I was fascinated to, like, actually start to break down, like, some of the scales. But it, it wasn't like, oh, now I want to listen to this. And then somewhere in my early to mid-20s, when I was, I, I honestly wonder if it was an aversion that I created in my own brain because I was DJing four nights a week and everything had to be hands up, you know, fucking bangers, everybody jumping. Hard to pull that off in minor key dark stuff. Right. So I saw a shift. This is the first time I've talked through this and I think I actually just figured it out. It was that <laughs> because it shifted what I listened to at home when I was playing really like EDM and hip hop pretty much exclusively. And then, you know, every now and then like a open format 80s sing along. I was dealing with so much of that at work for eight hour chunks that all I wanted to do was not listen to that when I got home. And now if you go through, if you go through like my current jams playlist, it looks like two people put it together uh-huh. and they were like adding their own shit. Cause it doesn't make any sense other than, than that. And it's just, I don't know. At some point, I really started liking it. And then what it did was it opened up like two-thirds of all music for me again. And so I got to work backwards and start listening to bands that were my contemporaries or were the things that everybody that I listened to looked up to. But I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my brain around it. And even thinking like guitar, piano, my favorite songs in, in choir, both in high school and in college, it was all... The big soaring stuff, man. Like, give me that. And I still love that. Like, if you write a really good pop hook, I'm in, period. 100%. Like, uh, it's almost to a point where it's embarrassing, where I'm like, I can't believe I love this. (laughs) But but that's, I think that's been the the biggest shift, is every year I get older, I bring in more challenging, like, music to what I'm listening to. And, and now, like, honestly, like now I'm trying to look to like different cultures with di- completely different chord structures. And that's just like a oh, whole yeah, different mind. Fog. Introducing a lot of metal. To yeah. Oh yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Like thanks to doing the show with Charles, like I have probably by 10 increased my, my metal library. And it's just, it's opening myself up to, to new and stuff. Josh Lemke. And Josh Lemke. Shout Josh out to Lemke. friend of the podcast, Josh Lemke, who, uh, 
invites me to half invites me to a ton of shows and actually shows up to half. So every now and then I get to go see a metal show by myself, which is also fascinating <laughs> and fun. And once I get myself through the idea that my neck is really going to hurt the next day, it's pretty fun. It's kind of rad. Uh, and then I'm just going to double up on yours too. Cause like naps, man, I, even in my twenties, I would fight a nap, like ah, get away from me. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm about that You're life, man. Yeah. Like a uh, middle of the afternoon on a Saturday nap is ridiculous. Like it's that, that to me is like worth worthy of praise. I'll talk about sleep too then, because when I was a kid, I didn't want to get up in the morning, but I, yeah. I'm a, I say I'm a, a Nighthawk early bird because I fucking hate sleep. I don't like it. Okay. I don't care for it. I don't nap. I go to bed late. I wake up early. I just Are you don't. tired though? No. Okay. No. Fortunately. Like, yeah. yeah, I, I mean, if I am, because of course you can get tired if you do that a lot. And if you're doing, if you're on the go and you're like drinking a lot, like doing the podcast and you yeah. got events and stuff, or you're like going out for dinner with friends. Uh, if I have a catch up day, like Sunday night, I'm like, I'm going to bundle up on the couch with a blankie and fall asleep when I fall asleep. And that'll be like the night that I sleep for eight hours. But otherwise I just, I like to, I like to stay up and I have my night activities. And then even at the, it'll be one thirty, and I'll be like fantasizing about the stuff I'm going to do early in the morning. Like, Ooh, I can't wait to get up and make my Chemex and like bust out my laptop and like work on this project. So, so how just, many hours usually, how many hours usually? Uh, five, five to six is my, six. that's and my that's sweet spot. Damn. That's so fresh. That's, you know, that's, that's my sweet spot. I think that especially, I know it's, it's unhealthy to sleep too little, which is why I try to get six. Like I want six hours. That's the number I'm looking for. Uh, so five, five to seven is like the flex range, but I want six. Okay. Uh, and I, I subsist pretty, pretty well on that without, you know, like drinking and, and like doing a lot of social activities. I'll be fine throughout the week. But if I have a big weekend, like New Year's weekend, Sunday, you know, you're like, let's chill. And then when I want to fall asleep, I will. But during the week, I'll fight it because I have things I want to do. And then I want to get up early also. But you know, when you're a kid and your parents are waking you up for school or church or whatever, you're like, leave me alone. Yeah. I saw something, I saw this thing on, I think it might have been Twitter. Maybe it was a meme. But it said, how come your parents, when you're a kid, try to make you go to sleep when you're not tired and wake you up when you are? Like, <laughs> Fair. It's torture. That's kind of funny. But that's the way you look at it when so, you're a kid. That's it's still more, how I feel about I don't know if childhood. it's rebellion or if I was tired. He's like, I, think it's all, I think there's also like, I mean, I don't want to be like, there's a new science. Cause but I do think that there is something to be said for like, ah, parents working with their schedules and with school schedules. Mm-hmm. Got to get this little fucker to sleep. You know Absolutely. what I mean? To make him up as... But also, like, as you get, you know, as a teenager, your body, like, for circadian, for melatonin-based reasons, like, doesn't yeah. want to do that. And we just sure. keep our busting schedules, right? So, like, get them in class at 8 or whatever. We, we talk about, like, self-care and, and wellness a lot on this show. Like, what's, what's a good night's sleep to you? Do you have, Dessa, do you have a... Yeah, I, 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 I need more than 6 or 7 for sure. Like, can do and often do, you know, like touring hard or whatever you yeah. know, you're sort of subject obviously you're just subject to production schedules but um but yeah i would say like for me less than almost eight or you know seven and a half or something like that and i feel it a little Rad. 
I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm, I, I try to be like, so do you like eight? You like nine? If I could do, okay, so if like. Up, if you left to your device. If I could do, yeah. The Let's dr- go. The dream, you know, would be like every night if I go to bed at midnight or something, I would like, I would love to not see this phone in my own hand again before like eight or eight fifteen. If I could get, like, I'm always trying to like, like I'm my own pet that I'm trying to like coax into another, like, give me 20 more minutes, you uh-huh. know, and then we can get up. So I'm always like. Bunch of self-hypnosis, bunch of melatonin, bunch of, you know, okay. you're, you're standing on a beautiful staircase. Like, the amount of times that I'm standing on a beautiful staircase trying to get myself to go back to sleep is very high. Uh, <laughs> yeah, quality sleep is important as well. Absolutely. I think that, like, Huge. with what little sleep I get, I get really good sleep. When I was a kid, I could not sleep for oh. my life. Oh. I just could not. Um, but now, like, if I want to sleep, I'll fall asleep, and I'll sleep. I might get up in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom or something, but I think I get good sleep and that's probably pretty helpful too. I also don't wake up to an alarm. I just have yeah. a good internal clock and I also seldom have to get up at a very precise moment. And because of Same. how much I love getting up in the morning, I just get up. I'm like, I'm up. So that, that helps. I don't, I hate the alarm. Like it just like shocks me awake. I fucking hate it. I love the idea of you getting out of bed and like looking at Martin and being like, I'm up like in that voice. I really, I love that idea of you in that voice. Marnie doesn't boot up in the morning. She's an old IBM, right? She needs to like, she needs time, but I'm like the undertaker. I just sit right up and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? What do you got going on today? You want to go to the farmer's market? You want a cup of coffee? And and I'm like, Oh shit, I forgot. Sorry. 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 So how does that, how does that actually play out then? Are you like, I'm going to make us coffee. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you do that? How does that work? I almost always, if it's so, Either she's getting up to go to work and she will get up before me. She's a school teacher. So I let her use our one bathroom. And then when she's done, um, I just know she's done. I get up. On the weekends, I get up way earlier than her. Okay. So I don't bother her. I just go do my thing. She also, she's a heavy sleeper too. So I just get up and I go and start like doing household duties, get the dog out, have him do his business, make coffee and start doing the things that I want to do. And then she gets up at 10. What's that? Do you go to sleep at the same no, time? No, 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 no. I don't She's really. I don't. I guess I don't understand. Like, I don't have a problem with people who do that because you know, if it makes sense, it makes sense. But it doesn't make sense for us because she goes to bed earlier and wakes up later if she can choose when she's going to sleep and when she's waking up. So on weekdays, she's going to bed at like she'll go to read at like ten and fall asleep at ten thirty eleven. I'm up till one thirty two. The dog's somewhere else, so the cat's like, all right, let's play video games or read a book or whatever. So we just, we operate on different schedules, so we don't, we've never felt like we need to just, like, pull up the covers at the exact same time. Because then I would just get back up. Okay. I got to go. And that was, that was what my wife and I did for a while, is I would go to bed with her, and then I would get back out of bed. But she, she Mm -hmm. is a very, she sleeps very poorly. And so mm. uh, any motion, anything, yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm irritating her mm. no matter what. So it was just easier for me to wait till it, I was actually going to go to bed. And I fight sleep kind of the same way that you were talking about, Dessa, where to me, I'm like reclaiming time that's just mine. Like I'm selfish about it. I'm like, oh, I got another half an hour of literally no one in the world texting me. No emails are coming in. No one's asking me yeah. anything. I don't have to hear the sound of my own fucking voice. Like, I, it's dead silent, and either the dog or the cat is laying on me. It's quite nice. But once I go to bed, like, once I fall asleep, I'm dead to the world. So yeah. Jenny can do whatever the fuck she wants, and she is, like, Charles, she's up in the morning, and she'll, like, she'll let me go for about an hour after she's up. And then I'll be in the middle of a dream, something weird and lucid where, like, 
the Statue of Liberty is somehow in like a football contest, I, whatever. And then I'll just hear like somewhere in the back of the dream, it'll just be, Psst. Mm-hmm. Huh? Psst. and I'll open my eyes. Statue of Liberty just got a sixty-yard yeah. touchdown, <laughs> and she's just sitting like this with like Hello. wide caffeinated yep. eyes. Yeah. She's like, "I'm on my second espresso. What are we doing?" And then it's just like, "Oh, okay, all right, right. here we go. I gotta let me get the files going. Hold on, real quick. I'll uh-huh. be there in a, a hot second. Okay, quick hitter. My personalized answer was nostalgia. When I was Ooh. a kid, I hated the '80s. Like everything about the '80s is like, "Fuck the '80s! What a garbage decade! Should be gone forever." And then, like a little later in life, I hated the '90s too. But now the the nostalgia has taken full effect. Now that I'm 41 and it's 2023, like I love nostalgia. Like black and white movies. If I was a kid and you played a black and white movie for me, I'd be like, "Fuck you! I'm <laughs> I'm seven. What are you doing?" But now, you know, I'll watch TCM. My wife and her family love classic movies, so we watch a lot of classic mm. movies as a couple and with her family. And I'm like, wow, this is a bunch of content that I've never seen, so I get to watch it for the first time. But when I was a kid, I hated all that shit except old cartoons. I liked old cartoons. That's it. Interesting. Am I crazy? Like, are we in a similar age bracket? Yes, okay. I'm, 40, I'm 41. Okay, so two yeah. 41s and a 43. Are you in, are, do you also feel the pull for nostalgia? I can't decide. I mean, I feel like there are, I don't know. I think I, I flatter myself maybe and I imagine like, you know what I like? I like what was good about the 80s and I leave what was bad. I can't tell how much mm. of it is in the stuff. Like, yeah. hypercolor shirts were fresh because those were rad then. Right. And they stayed rad all the way to now Period. and we just forgot for a second. So that's, that was my point. I, I, I don't, I'm not nostalgic for the actual 80s or 90s. When it was all really gross, oh, light wood tones in everyone's house. All the and movies I, are lying to us. Yeah, yeah everything is bullshit. <laughs> They're all lying. Yeah, like, I'm sorry, like, your house didn't look like the inside of a trapper keeper. Right. Like, right. Your, your house was really boring <laughs> and very muted. This fictional and, 80s. Yeah, and oh. nothing, nothing was, was fun or, or clean lines or it anything. It was all that puke olive green. Yes. Everything was the puke yeah. olive green or browner, like this weird orange. Yeah, yep. weird and, like, orange. Hoop brown carpet. And then we, <laughs> like, and then walls. we traded that in for 10 years where we just wrote the name Bistro on everything and everything had to be, like, mauve or forest green with, like, some sort of khaki in the background. Mm. That, all of that sucked. I hate all of that. When people are like, oh, man, the style of the 80s, the style of the 90s, it's back. I'm like, no, that's not. No, it's yeah. not. You were taking the best parts and you're pretending like that's what everyone looked like. But to to clarify, it's not just the good things because sometimes we go on a road trip and I'll play a Spotify playlist that is basically like early 90s KWB Mega Mix, which is a local like pop station. So it's just all the stuff that I heard in my, you know, my dad's conversion van dropping me off at the Mall of America when I was 12 years old. It makes me feel good, even though I know a lot of it's terrible. It just makes me feel good. I would be lying to both of you if I told you that I didn't two weeks ago sing Go West, uh, yes. The King of Wishful Thinking from the Pretty Woman soundtrack at fucking karaoke. And you could literally divide the crowd by age as to who reacted positively and who was like, what the fuck is this? Like, you guys are too- oh, come on, dude. That song is amazing. What a song. I'll pretend my ship's not sinking. And I'll tell myself. With a falsetto poke at that. <laughs> I, know. I was going to say, if you did that at karaoke, there's a high, there's uh-huh. a high section yeah. in that. Man. Uh, since I quit smoking cigarettes eight years ago, I have gotten a little range of my falsetto oh, back. How does it feel? Uh, weird. Like glory? Weird. Every, every time I'm mortified that it's just not going to show up. You're afraid it's not going to catch you. That you're going to jump out the window. I have, like a, I have a Peter Brady moment every time I think I'm going to have to hit a high note where for... 
15 years, it was just gone. There was nothing. There was no, the minute that you're supposed to flip into falsetto, <laughs> if we were just, no, we're done. We're, it was like a, like, like a field of dreams. Like there's just uh. an edge that you can't go past. Yeah. And that was one of the weirdest things. Like I knew that taste was going to come back and I knew that my smell was going to get better. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, and it's like a four note range. There's four not a, a it's fun. Dude, yo. And nobody expects it from a voice that sounds like this. Mm-mm. Like nobody's like, Whoa, what? Oh, what? Yes, I did hit that note. Wow. And no, I probably can't again right now. But we'll try. <laughs> we'll burn all that fuel and we'll, we'll die on reentry. Well. Cheers to that. Yeah, to <laughs> dying on reentry. Guam, you're finally up to bat. Look at me go. Oh, this is, this was the only one where I was, I was questioning whether we, where we should put this in there. Um, but I, I like this one. All right, so. Uh, Dessa, you get one dinner with a person who is alive right now. Who is alive right now? Yep, who's alive right now. I'm trying to like cut it down a little bit. But you also have to cook the meal. Oh, shit. Who's coming over for dinner? Ooh, and what are you making? Who do I admire enough to want to eat with having only one shot? And who do I not admire so much that I'm not embarrassed uh-huh. to fail in a culinary sense in front of them? And ah. I can't remember if we talked about this ahead of time. If you feel like you want to give that more thought to, like, we're never forcing anybody to have to answer on the spot. I'm just yeah. going to go with gut. And then, you Do know it. what? If in two weeks I reconsider, I'll send you an email. Um, we talk next about it on the you show. Come on, we'll ask you okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, we yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. this on the show all the time. Every question we ask, five minutes from now, I can answer it an, differently. You can answer Okay, it yeah, right, right, right. You're, it's a snapshot. It's, it's an emotional it snapshot. It doesn't have to be red. It could be teal. I feel like Phoebe Waller Bridge. Ooh. From, uh, I always fuck this up because it's Phoebe Bridgers, plural. Okay, yeah. So yes. Phoebe Waller, is it Waller's or Waller? Waller. Or, or Waller Bridge. I would start with a liquid course to like bring down expectation. Do you know what I mean? Now we're just little, but man, I would. But also, do you feel like. I would love to hear her talk. By liquid course, do you mean like a drink? I do. Because like, I almost feel like that's giving her power. Because I feel like there's no way she's not even like infinitely more charming. I know. Like she's the. Uh, I'm, no, I'm stepping on this. I'm sorry. No, you're right. Exactly that. But I mean, I feel like yes, sure. Would it? Would it? Would her charm potentially, you know, exponentially take off towards the ceiling? Yes. But at the same time, I'm just trying to build enough uh, goodwill, yeah, right? Fair. That should something go disastrously with dinner. We'll have another liquid course, mm. yeah. you know, midway. But yeah, I just think, like everybody else, I know that this is not a novel, but like, yo, watching Fleabag was like, didn't want to blink to miss a frame. And it felt like, for me, in arts, some of the most exciting moments are not because you see somebody do something so well and you've never seen that degree of excellence, but because somebody did something you didn't know was you were allowed to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I never, when my dad first told me that some nuns would sing on the inhale, I just didn't know, anybody can do that, right? (gasps) I don't know, you do it badly. I just didn't occur to me to try, right? And so she did, so many of her objectives, it didn't occur to me were were within the scope of gameplay. That I was just blown the fuck away. Blown the fuck away. She frustrates me so much. There's a, fuck, you made a playlist about this. Years ago, it was like mm, sharp pens. Does that sound yes. right? So there are, there are comedy and script writers that I feel the same way about where it's 
it's enjoyable to the point where it frustrates me yes. because I can't find a wasted word. And I am really good. I, I feel like I'm really good at steering something towards where I want it to go and I can tell an entertaining story. But there's a lot of vamping that goes on. So there's a lot of wasted words while I'm trying to get to where I'm going. And it's impossible to watch her and be like, how can you, how does everything work so well? Like if I diagrammed out any one of her sentences of dialogue, it makes me mad because there's nothing, there's no, like zero edits. Be it's, less charming is like my only. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I, I, it's to me, to me that, that project specifically was a marvel. So yeah. But like, what are you, what are you cooking? Fuck. Okay. <sighs> what am I cooking? I'm going to say it's tricky because there, I would say that dishes that I do best are also those where my batting average is shaky mm. you know level of difficulty up more points right likelihood of like you know uh connecting with the pitch sometimes a little lower maybe sure. gosh okay so maybe a faro i like doing those with it like for dinner time you know with, with an egg sometime and my a favorite grain olives. yeah your favorite grain mm. yes so good um served it at my wedding did you from where where did you, did you have a catered? By, I had by a chef and I worked with him. I made the yes. I I foraged all the ramps for the ramp pesto and I made the pestos. I made what? a vegan pesto oh. and I made a pesto for the the meat preparation. Between being a guest, an officiant, and a DJ at weddings, I can unequivocally say that your menu at your wedding was the best menu I've ever seen at any, any wedding anywhere, oh, shit. including both of mine. Thanks, brother. <laughs> I appreciate that. Which feels so weird to say. <laughs> um do that i probably do i do some some like easy fridge pickled onions that i would put in a salad maybe Mm. with uh shaved fennel because that sounds fancy but all you need is a sharp knife or a micro planer thing um and i'm a big i'm unlike you unlike you i'm a huge sucker for dessert but I don't know how to make shit for dessert. So I probably would try to ferret something in just beneath the rules of this imagined hypothetical to see if mm. I could pass it off as my own. Are you a, a chocolate person? A, like a, a fruit person? Uh, all even, of even the Even just above? talking, I can feel the happiness welling inside <laughs> me with the imagined dessert. Um, I would say I tend, yeah, towards more like spice or chocolate than I do fruits. Mm. But all are okay. welcome here. All are welcome here. I, I promise you I will send you the world's easiest chocolate dessert. Okay. Uh, it is probably the most commonly made when we have people over at our house. It's almost impossible to fuck up. It just requires a little bit of forethought. Wait, what is it? Because yeah, I got an easier it? one. Uh, so it's basically, honestly, it's, it's, <laughs> basically, it's, a, it's a chocolate pot de creme. Uh, is, I is was going to. And I, a little chantilly on top. I was going to say magic shell. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's, let's go, kids. Just coconut. Uh, yeah, just coconut, uh, coconut oil oh. and uh, Nutella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty equal parts or however much really? you like one value or the other. Microwave it. Mm-hmm. Make sure it homogenizes. You can just keep it on your counter. But anytime you want to use it, microwave it, drop it on ice cream. It turns into a shell yep. like Dairy Queen. Absolutely. Oh shit! I'm definitely gonna and do it's that. like a cheat. You're like, look what I did. Yeah, exactly. exactly what? How'd exactly. you do it? Like, I can't fucking tell you. Cool. I or like you that. could do it with THC induced. You could do that too. I bet that would be. I'm not saying everybody's done that, but nice. Hell yeah. I do. I do like. A, a, it doesn't. It doesn't. Something I would like give to adults after a nice meal, but I do a pretty good like bourbon banana Ooh. smoothie thing after oh, after, after meals. Oh. Th- those I fuck with. There's no can, cooking, but you, I fuck can with. Can you give me more background on that? Because uh, I can. Um, 
freeze the bananas first, ripe as fuck. Like the same way that you would like the patience that one asks of like a banana owner in banana bread. Wait, you know, it's like yeah. you're, you're the dog with the steak on its nose. Yeah. It's yep. like you have to wait longer. So <laughs> then freeze them chopped. I think a lot of times the addition of salt is the big deal. Absolutely. You know, so, so a bit of salt, the bananas. I think it works a lot of ways. Like whatever the hell mm-hmm. your, your preference is for like a, a milk or milk, milk substitute. Mm-hmm. Bourbon. I mess with a little bit of like a, like a Madagascar vanilla yeah. extract, yes. you know, or like, like, like a good almond. And then if you're feeling like you're in for something richer, a little bit of, um, of a smooth peanut butter or cashew butter, something like that if you want a little bit more body. Yeah, Freeze the glasses beforehand, right? Chill mm-hmm. them beforehand. Then with like a good stir and a little bit of uh, of cardamom sprinkled mm-hmm. on top. Ooh, yeah. come on! Like, <laughs> first of all, none of that is like, oh, I just, it's nothing big. That's fucking awesome. I am not. Second of I'm all, now I want a that. big dessert guy, but I absolutely fuck. With but you that. try, you, you like okay, off yeah, the top. Yeah. You know, like if someone presents something to me and I'm like, I would try that. That's yep. That's a ten out of ten. Yes. I, would, I would fuck with that for sure. And it doesn't have to be crazy sweet. Like if you like it sweet, you know what I mean. Then a little mm-hmm. bit of good maple or a little bit of good honey. And if you like it, just the sweetness of the banana, it holds that way. So. And that's literally that's where I would land. Is like that's that's perfect. It's not too sweet, but it still gives you like something fun. Like I I enjoy the act of dessert. Just most of the time, it's a pound of sugar. It's sure, sure. Yeah. What about you, doctor? Okay, this might be a little bit of a cop-out, but I haven't seen my family in Lebanon in a really long time. Uh, my uncle passed away from COVID. My, I don't have really any family here other than my immediate family. And my aunts, which is all I have left because that was my one uncle, uh, they're aging, and I haven't seen them in a really long time since my the reception that we had mm-hmm. in Lebanon. And my... The reason, one of the reasons my mind went there is not just because of that, but my aunt Jacqueline owns a restaurant in Lebanon and that's why I'm picking her. She always cooks the first meal I have when I leave the condo and go somewhere. It's like go to her restaurant and she's always got super fresh lamb and she's got a big grill pit in the back of the restaurant and she grills medium rare lamb. That's just carcinogenic as fuck on the outside, Mm, tons of salt. So being able to transport her here and be able to see her, and I haven't seen her in a long time, and make her a meal, and I'd make her lamb because of that, because of the connection. Mm-hmm. So I'd make like a um, like a herb rack of lamb. I would do farro too. I'd probably do like the same preparation for my wedding with the ramp pesto, uh, some like roasted um, wild mushrooms, Ugh. probably like a red wine and fig demi sprinkle that all over and then just like she's probably never had a fine dining meal like that before so have a meal like that with her and have a little bit of ara or some johnny walker or something have a conversation with her if i have to make dessert i don't know something easy also i'd make like spice poached pears with vanilla bean ice cream or something something i know she'd actually eat you, I'm going to crash this, weird. like right? this beautiful yeah. family intimate moment. Yeah. I'm going to show up. Hey. <laughs> like Kramer. Kramer. No big deal. Act He's like I'm not Kramer here. Me. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> yes. I also love the, I love the idea of you just coming in the door like Kramer. Just, yeah. Hey. Right. Oh, that'd be like the remake of, of uh, Seinfeld instead of, it would be a gender change uh-huh. instead of Kramer. That's it. Just fling the fucking yeah. door open. Whoa. <laughs> uh, well, what's that smell? Let me, yeah. let me try a little bit. Hey, yeah. how you doing? I don't know. Hopped yeah. up on 
gummies and tea yeah. seltzer and oh god that's so much better of an answer than what i thought of yeah come on I, it's ugh. no i uh answer a question in a different way on any given day right? yeah no it's i've i i was trying to come up with a better answer than this but i my heart brings me back to this every time i have i have the only celebrity left in my life that I desperately want to meet and I have not been able to is David Grohl. And mm, it's okay. been, I was not a Nirvana kid. It was Foo Fighters and on. There's something about the way that his personality works. I'm just like, we would be fucking friends. Like it's, I, and I hate to be that guy that feels that way, but I'm like, we totally would get along. And I've talked about it on the show before. I have the best almost met Dave Grohl story ever. And I desperately just want to tell him that story because yeah. I think he would laugh his ass off. After Taylor Hawkins died, I just felt this need to fly out and watch the tribute show. And what occurred to me while I was watching it and while I was watching Travis Barker on stage and the guys from Soundgarden on stage and Chris Novoselic from Nirvana on stage was like all of these people know what it feels like to lose a brother. And in 2019, I lost my brother. And there's like a weird... The only way I've been able to come up with it was I was talking to my buddy Steve who also lost his little brother. And there's just like, a, like the hug hits different when you have that conversation and then you hug afterwards. And now it's not just like, I think we would get along great. That's, there's also a discussion where like, I just want to say that concert was weirdly, it meant a lot to me to see, because we do so poorly in this country at expressing sorrow. Like we can, we can perform sadness. But to actually um, work through grief is wildly different. And I, I think that the more that we can have those conversations honestly with each other and be like, yeah, that sucks. And yes, uh, there's also anger rolled up in that. And there's happy memories and there's sad memories and everything else smushed together. And the idea of having that discussion over a simple fucking cheeseburger and like a beer, like that sounds to me like, Instead of going the other way, where like I would love to show off for somebody and I, I feel pretty confident in a kitchen. Yeah, it doesn't but, have to be about that either. Yeah, yeah, but I like the idea of having the fancy discussion where we're going through a lot of different difficult and rare to talk about feelings over something as simple and enjoyable as just like a cheeseburger. and Five-course discussion and a one-course beer. Yeah, exactly. And a, a cold-ass beer, an unmemorable beer. Like a beer that I don't even remember exactly what it was. Well, watch except your words. Oh, I thought you were going to say highlight for something. No, 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 oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, but like the idea of just something so simple and, yeah. and so ubiquitous sure. while having a very a difficult and also hopefully awesome discussion. I, I, there will be a time, like I've pretty much willed everything else in the world that I've needed to do into happening. And that is, that's one, I, there will be a time that we can do that. And whether or not it's over a burger, I, I just think that would be rad. Yeah. And uh, get a bump into him in front of a burger stand. Right. And when you're in LA or something. And I think <laughs> that's what would get me past the, like, if I have one too many beers, I'll start breaking down your entire career because I know way too much about it. That would be my way of getting around that is we could have a normal conversation and I wouldn't feel weird about talking to you because I think that feelings like that when they're shared, with two different strangers, it creates like a weird bond. And it also, it kind of puts everybody. It supersedes. Yeah. Any of the other yeah. And all of a sudden we're all the same height and we're all sitting yeah. on the same chair. And that, I, I, I don't know. I, I've, I think that that would be a nice night. 
I could get down with that. And I'd probably, yeah. you know, I'd grind my own meat and shit, but like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's how we do. Yeah, that's great. My celeb one would have been making a smash burger for Justin Jefferson. It's like, that would just be, be fun. <laughs> that's like, fair. Yeah, let's have a burger. Would you, would you do a dance called the Grilly? No, I would do no dance at all. <laughs> Thank you for not Hopefully being... he would do the Grilly after he eats my smash burger. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it to him. He can hold the. He can even hold the two spatulas. Like so. two bites in, he just like excuses himself from the yeah. table for a second. Just, I also feel like. What this, if he left though? What if he did it and just like left? That'd be amazing. Like, Wait, are you happy or sad? Because I, I want are both you of you guys. Picture the sound. <laughs> picture the sound of Justin Jefferson doing the gritty yeah. in an apartment with no crowd. Like just the awkward squeaks <laughs> and just the the, Dude, the whooshing of the fabric. That's like the Elvis video. Yes. That's like the Elvis squeak video. Wait, 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 wait. On YouTube. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if this the sound of a gritty happens in the forest and creaky hardwood floors. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> on on old house hardwood floors. Entirely trouble. Holy yeah. shit! I love that idea. That might be the greatest the greatest gritty ever gritted. Would be one person by himself to no crowd sounds on an old hardwood floor. All right. Well, <laughs> to that. Ew. Cheers. Oh, God. Oh, crap. I didn't look. Does this mean I'm going again? Might be. And then you maybe you want to pop your bottle yeah, after well, this. I'll pop your bottle. Uh-oh. Uh, oh, yeah. Was it you again? Yeah, it is. Um. So it's weird, it's weird having a published uh, author, especially um, on the show, because when you can read, you know, somebody's thoughts and somebody's words, it, it creates like an, an imbalance. Of, of like informa- intimate information? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Where you feel like if you are reading the book or sometimes listening to a record, you feel like you get an insight. <sighs> right. um, and I, the only reason I felt comfortable asking you this question was because... You've, ri- you've written about it and you've talked at totally, length totally. about it. Um, but all three of us in this room um, have experienced like serious heartbreak and loss, right? And I thought that the way, I thought the way that you tackled it was, was, it was with open arms where it would be hard for me to find somebody that didn't find, couldn't find a way to sort of like identify with what you were talking about. And what I wanted to know is like on a, on a, on a, a personal level, you can decide how deep that is. Looking back on that, the, the experience and the writing about it, is there something that you found that's kind of given you like a strength or like a positive of having, like having gone through something like that and then coming out the other end? Um, that's something that I think everybody could identify with, you know, wh- wh- whatever the background is on it. Is there something that you've found that like gave you like strength? Or, yeah, or? I mean, I think in some ways, irrespective of what um, of what hardship or heartache somebody struggled with and, and spoken about, you know, maybe maybe you went bankrupt and that was so embarrassing. Absolutely. And you were hiding it and hiding it and then you said it out loud. Like, whatever the challenge has been, I think a lot of times, at least for a while, you get sort of a spidey sense, you know? You're, you're sensitized to other people's hurts and troubles, right? And you can kind of pick up on them. You're sensitized a little bit. And so I think in some way, like, um, empathy, I got, I got, it was like a video game, you know? And like, my little go-kart drove over a purple heart. Like, I got an ability, I think, to, to communicate to and to communicate more openly to people who've been through some heavy shit. Sure. But also, I think I was, like, the recipient of a lot of, like, um, 
confidences that I wouldn't have been. Like, so after the book came out, and you know, essentially the book tells the years long, and then decades long, essentially almost 18 years or so, on and off of trying to work out a romantic relationship, which was super painful, obviously, but also just like kind of embarrassing. And I also wasn't sure in a gendered way, or maybe you'll disagree, but I was like low-key embarrassed about it because it was like, okay, I've got this career where I'm an independent woman, you know, in many ways, like really trying to figure out like what is, what is, um, what does it look like to live a full life as a single woman, irrespective of maybe some of the dated ideas, right, about, like, what success would look like? And so I felt kind of embarrassed that I was so hung up on uh, on that part, right? Mm. But it was really sweet. After the book came out, it was like these – I remember working my one of my first gigs back here. I won't say at which theater, but it was, like, a big – you know, we have a few really – big, pretty historic theaters, you know, so you're got maybe, right. maybe a thousand or a couple thousand people in the room. But there was this grizzled motherfucking stagehand who I had worked with, not a stagehand, a, a manager, who I'd worked with for a really long time. And this guy had always been kind of gruff for like 20 years, you know, and, <laughs> and he'd read the, the book. And I'm standing in the wings, so this is the part of the show where you can see the performer in front of you in profile singing or dancing or whatever, getting their applause, and you know that in a moment someone with a headset is going to say, and Dessa, mm-hmm. to give you your cue to go on. And instead of saying, and Dessa, and standing silently, he went, I loved her for 24 years. And that wow. was it. Like, there's been so many people who've just wow. quietly said that this thing that I thought was special to me, right, like this failure that I was like low-key mm. carting around where I wasn't speaking about it publicly because it was kind of, in addition to being hurtful, it felt like um, something to be kind of ashamed about. And I was surprised at how many people have really quietly, privately loved the same person for like a really good span of their lives. Yeah. And that, to be the recipient of that confidence um, felt, yeah, like a a privileged, a privileged um, intimacy. Is, it obviously like, I don't don't know the person that you're talking about, but I mean, it's wild listening to that story to think like that might be the first time he's ever said those words out loud. I yeah. don't think that he, yeah, from, from what I know mm-hmm. of that man, you know, he's 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 spare with his words, and so I, I was, st- and we didn't speak after that. Wow. You know? Yeah. How incredibly powerful! That's, that's st- yeah. It it put me on my on my heels for a second. Yeah, and you know, I get a lot of kind of it whether it's DMs or, or kind of gently anonymized um, emails and stuff to the same effect. So in some ways, realizing how much of our lives happens below the water level, like Absolutely. how much of us are icebergs, how much of the time. You know. Damn. Charles? I'm approaching this squarely from the position of like heartbreak mm-hmm. and in a romantic setting. Um, I think a lesson that... I learned in life and probably a lot of people can relate to is that heartbreak is essential to figuring out not just what you need, but who you are. So through the tumult of the relationships that I had throughout, you know, my teens, my twenties, half of my thirties prior to meeting my wife, which, you know, for some people that's a little later for some people it's not, but I didn't know what I wanted until I found all the things that I wasn't looking for. And the same is probably true for a lot of those partners that I had as well. I was probably, you know, I probably presented values that they didn't want that they discovered once there was a dissipation of the relationship. 
young love is exciting, but it's superficial. And you feel it sometimes more strongly than you do love later in life because it's new and it's fresh and you're really sensitive. And so everything just feels like more effective than later in life. But I feel like I met the person I was supposed to meet at the exact right time. And it was because of all those lessons that I learned. And it's a lesson that I implore friends who are, you know, young in their dating lives because I have some friends who don't have a wealth of dating history is like, just, just figure it out. Like try, just try, you know, you're not going to find your person on the first try or a person for you. Cause the notion of like a singular person being for each of us, I think is a sort of ridiculous notion, but finding a person for you to spend perhaps your life with, mm-hmm. it's a process. It's almost certainly not going to be the first person that you have a good rapport with. It's just super unlikely. But that's just, I think that it's a simplistic lesson, but it's the lesson that um, heartbreak's essential so that you can learn the things that you don't need so that you can learn things that you do need. And via that, you learn a lot about who you are as a person too. You learn, I mean, if you're, if you're able to be introspective and um, understand yourself, then you learn your own shortcomings as well. Because I think anybody that's a healthy human being and um, has any empathy whatsoever, when they fail in a relationship, they should be able to see the reasons that the relationship failed because of them as well. Whatever percentage it is, if it's 10%, if it's Mm -hmm. 90%, just understanding that like there were things that happened um, that were a result of your actions, your personality traits as well. If you're able to do that, then you're going to present yourself as a better partner to your eventual somebody. And then hopefully that person has followed a similar trajectory and you also can like measure values in a a more productive way. Mm -hmm. Because by the time I met Marnie, I would say, sure, I was more probably persnickety about like the things I was looking for, but I mean, when, when I was failing, I thought I was, it was a bad thing. I was like, man, I'm, maybe I'm being a little too... Um, particular? Yeah, too discerning, too particular. And it wasn't like, you need to like this thing or like that thing. It was mostly like life values and things you might disregard when you're younger uh, just because you're attracted to somebody. So that, was, that made up the lion's share of it. But, you know, there were certain things like if you do certain things in a certain way and it's not consistent with my life, then we might enjoy one another's company, but I can tell you that the end game will not be good. Mm -hmm. And I just stopped wanting that. I stopped, I mean, I pretty much stopped dating. I resolved to be single before I met my wife. I was just like, I'm okay being that Mm -hmm. like 65 year old dude sitting on a beach in Spain, sipping on a cerveza and like- I'm so embarrassed that I'm only picturing a banana hammock right now. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe a banana hammock and that banana cocktail. There it is. A bourbon cocktail. The double banana, banana squared. The elusive double banana. The elusive double banana. <laughs> oh, hold on a second. <laughs> there it is. All right. Hold on. Hold on. We do, that's a, this is a thing we do here. Whenever, whenever we end up saying something ridiculous, the it's a possibility. Elusive for the double <laughs> banana. Anyways. 
What's he even talking about? God, I can't get that image out of my head now. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. Like, like an old. I got some Borat qualities. An old. I got some Borat fountain, qualities. Like, like 50s fountain malt glass. Yeah. With like a oh. ridiculous straw. <laughs> the tallest one the you've tallest ever seen. The tallest one you've ever seen. And Just the, tall and like the weirdest, like narrow slant. Pale banana yellow. And then, yeah. and then a ridiculous straw. And then, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was saying that. You know, I'd resolve that I'm okay if I'm alone because I'd rather be alone than end up with someone that's not like that. We don't have the same totally. values or there's a schism. We're not able to like get along just to like couple, just to like do it. I don't believe in that. And so I was fortunate to find someone that I ended up coupling with. And we had, you know, a lot of values in common. That's the other thing is you're not going to find a hundred percent, but you know, TLDL. Mm-hmm. Heartbreak is important. It's formative. Mm-hmm. It's going to change who you are. It's going to make you who you are. And then hopefully when you come out of the other end of the tunnel, it hasn't ruined who you are as mm-hmm. a person. You've been introspective and you've learned lessons and you're also able to find somebody that has consistent qualities to like what works with who you've learned that you are. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And oddly enough, like somewhat similar, I guess to how I would answer that. I, um, it's very oddly, oh, I should, I should bust this up before we get into that. So, uh, the second bottle that we're going to pop. I need some bubs. Can I get some bubs? Uh, it was like with a silencer. Wasn't that not yeah. Really, yeah, that yeah. was great. It felt it's, like he muted it a little bit. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I worked, uh, <laughs> actually at, uh, at Asia, uh, uh, food and, and, and nightclub and drinks. Um, Tom Pham, the owner had a few really, really aggressive ticks. And one of them was if you popped a champagne bottle too loudly or if you threw a bottle in the recycling too loudly, he would lose his mind. And how would that, how would that look? What the? F- oh, no. He, uh, if, if you threw a glass, like yeah. a, a glass bottle in the recycling yeah. loudly, he would come behind and literally grab your wrist and slap you on the top of the hand. <laughs> a literal wrist slap. Yep. Damn. Uh, and... That, for whatever reason, the champagne cork thing has stuck with me since then. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll watch my hands doing it, and I'm like, why? Well, I could absolutely, I could nail it in that hole, no problem. Nope, I will still mute it every damn time. It's just, again, can't get the restaurant out of the kid. So, uh, this is uh, Cremant uh, from France. Uh, Jean Laurent is the, Jacques Laurent is the, the producer. Uh, he is the most adorable. Adorable, five foot tall old French man, like wispy white hair, mostly bald, and um, used to be five one though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, a local uh, wine buyer in town um, had been traveling in France and found his uh, his vineyard, fell in love, and worked out um, a distribution in oh, Minnesota. Cool. And so this guy was looking at his sales data, and it's like all over Europe and then New York, and then randomly one store in Minnesota. What store? Uh, it's called Cork Dork in South Minneapolis, right off of Cedar Lake. Oh, it's like okay. 40th and Cedar. And uh, he talked to his, his granddaughters, and he thought it would be hilarious to go figure out what this one single wine store in the middle of the U.S., in the middle of North America, like dead center, wh- who they were and why they were <laughs> selling all this wine. And so uh, Brendan had called me and he's like, hey, you know that bottle of bubbles that I, I gave you? I had told him, like, I just absolutely loved it. And uh, he's like, the, the producer's actually coming here. 
And so they took him on a tour, him and his two granddaughters, took him on a tour of South Minneapolis. At the time, I'm working for Bet Paddle Brewing, which is a brewery in Duluth, Minnesota, right on the edge of, of Lake Superior. If you're thinking of Lake Superior as like a wolf's head, it's right on the nose. And um, we ended up kind of, the way that the crowd shuffled around, we ended up sort of in the same corner. And I literally looked like I might eat him because he's just this small little wayfish man. <clears throat> I felt like I should diffuse it by like being kind of funny and like, hey, don't be afraid of me, please. And uh, we got to talking and he asked- yeah, I, I did a quick gritty and uh, I had told him what I did for a living. And he goes, uh, is, is this brewery on uh, the, the Superior Lake? Like uh, the, 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 the Grand? I'm like, yeah, the, yes. Lake Superior, Great Lakes, 100%. I pulled it up my phone and I showed it to him. And he goes, if, uh, if we were to drive, uh, could, could we see your, your brewery? Like, absolutely. So he talks to his granddaughters. He comes back and he's like, uh, can, we, can, we, can we go there tomorrow? And so they went up and had the, like, the greatest day ever. And then he came back and he gave me a couple of bottles of his wine to say thank you. And I, I was just so fucking charmed. To this day, it's still the only place I can ever find. What an adventurous dude. Yeah. So dope. He's just like, dude. let's go to Minnesota. And then he's like, fuck it. Let's go to Duluth. Yeah. That's so let's dope. Let's go to a brewery and they, in Duluth. They got up in the morning, drove to Duluth, spent the whole day in Duluth. Um, they drank at Bet Paddle for a while. And then a mutual friend of the owners of Bet Paddle and myself uh, took him out on the shore. And like, they took a little sailboat around and then got back in the car, drove back to Minneapolis. So ill. I was like, you That's are, really cool. you're the greatest. It was probably also pretty impressive because you know Minneapolis is pretty cool but like also seeing that entire other contrasting view mm -hmm. of a place like Duluth with the waterfront and the cute little town I'm sure well, he really enjoyed it and that was what that was what he kept coming back to was that in his world he had never seen a lake like Lake yeah. Superior yeah, versus lakes. the Mediterranean right. Sea if you're standing on the shore they're the same fucking body of water and he was fascinated that Duluth was basically like a North American version of like a coastal city yeah. and just talking about the things that he noticed, nothing of what I normally see when I go to Duluth, but it was, it was really rad having that experience. And again, this, I'm, I'm not going to try and tell anybody, especially the, the Psalms in my life that somehow this is a better bottle than anything else they would recommend. But if it's all high quality, why wouldn't you go for something that brings back that memory of this wee little Frenchman staring up at me with his giant glasses and just being like, uh, the superior lake is, is, is this so place? Sweet. Like, it's just the best. <laughs> so when you had thrown out the idea of bubbles and I was thinking New Year's, I'm like, hey, what an excuse to, to toast an adorable little Frenchman. Chin chin. To Jacques. Oh, so, fuck yeah. Right? That's Back really to heartbreak. Good. That's great. It's so fucking good. It's better than my bottle, and admittedly. It's, it's super affordable, too. <laughs> There, it's not as sweet as I thought it might be because you, you know, there was a disclaimer and I was like, uh oh. Well, it's, it's always, dry, it's always tough trying to figure out like when you're trying to talk about the sweetness in a sparkling wine, you have to try and figure out like, who am I talking to and in oh. reference to what, mm -hmm. you know, like if, if I'm, if I'm talking about the sweetness in a bottle, I'm not, I'm not thinking I'm explaining this to Ashley who's crushing a bottle of Prosecco on the patio. I'm thinking about it from the wine side of things, but at the same time, her opinion is just as valid. So I would say that it's, it's pretty dry with some hints of sweetness, mm -hmm. but That's it makes my nice. mouth water every time. So it makes me happy. Nice dry finish. Yeah. It's very good. 
Speaking of dry finishes, heartbreak. Uh, <laughs> um, so kind of similar to what, what you were saying was, um, I don't, Charles, by the way, Charles. Yes. I don't think, uh, <laughs> I don't think without heartbreak, I don't think I would be anywhere near as good at, um, self editing as I am and actually factoring in what I am, what my part is in a relationship. I am notoriously tone deaf for that, especially if you go back younger. Can you give me a quick and dirty definition of self-editing as you're using it? Because I so, think we have a different definition. Yeah, you know, 100%. So what previous to, previous to me getting, getting divorced at 30, I was very much uh, the lead character in High Fidelity where there was always something wrong with everyone else and I couldn't figure out why relationships just weren't working out. Like, what the fuck? All these people just do all this awful shit. Or Seinfeld again. Oh, yeah. And I'm just this, this nice fella who's just trying to fall in love. And uh, when I actually had to burn the entire prairie to save the soil, what I realized, and it, I went to see this guy. He was giving a, a talk about a book that had nothing to do with heartbreak. And somehow his divorce factored into why he wrote it. And he said the sentence uh, just as like a, a, a joiner between two thoughts. He said, I had looked out and realized that the only thing I had in, or the only thing all of my bad breakups had in common was me. Oh, mm. that's a and sentence. I just Ooh. sat in the middle of the theater and I didn't Shit, hear crazy. a single word he said for the next 10 minutes. Because yeah. it was like, it was like the Kobayashi wall at the end of Usual Suspects. Yeah. It was like all of the shit that I had half-assed, that I hadn't put in, the things I hadn't shown up for, it all kind of started hitting me. Hold and on, I, I realized, go. guys, it is so sad. Yes, exactly. Sorry, I had to. It's fair. Yeah. <laughs> if I could drop a coffee cup in slow-mo, I would. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it was like, like a literal watershed change moment in my life where it didn't matter. Like, I'm, I don't know why somehow I had just a, like come up with this romantic idea that every relationship has the chance of being the one life is a whole lot easier to deal with if you're like most of this probably won't work out and i say that about friendships too mm -hmm. like i don't have to hold on to everything yeah. forever the question is when something doesn't work out can you look in the mirror can you read your own typos that's what I meant by self-editing. I see. I'm really I good see. at writing a piece or texting Charles questions and not even noticing that there's a bunch of typos in them. And I, I feel like I'm a pretty good writer, but it's frustrating when I don't see that. I could reread it three times and I, my brain goes right over it. Yeah. And that's what I have been doing with my life. And not just in romantic relationships, but in, in friendships, in actual like loss it was always, I'm looking at it as how, it's, how I'm affected by other things. And in all reality, the only thing that I could do was try to make myself better or try to learn more or try to notice things that I'm doing or seeing tendencies. It opened up a whole new world of like, holy shit, like there's only one thing that nobody's done any work on in the last 15 years and it's the guy that I'm, I'm looking at every morning in the mirror. And I think that, Truly, I will believe that if the way that my brain and my ego work, I would not have gotten that if I hadn't actually been kicked in the heart. Like there's, uh, there's a, a punk group called Spanish Love Songs and they have this line at the end of a bridge that's, um, 
uh, I was so afraid of getting hurt. I've actually never been hurt because if you keep yourself closed off and distant enough, mm. you can act like you're a victim and everybody will give you pity and oh, I feel so bad for you. But in all reality, staying guarded like that is probably a good portion of the reason why something didn't work out. And I had sure. never been able to see those tendencies in myself until I actually did. Like I got divorced, left the state, all that. And when you spend a lot of time in an empty apartment that you don't necessarily want to furnish because you don't want to believe you're going to be there forever. But then you come home to empty walls every day and it kind of like wears on you. That was a, it was a very, that was probably the biggest moment of growth in my entire adult life. And it had nothing to do with anybody else. It was just finally realizing that it's okay to, instead of putting your thumb over all the cracks to like stop you from seeing them, it was acknowledging that they're there and then trying to figure out like, what can, what, what can I fix? What can I salvage? What, what do I need to, to burn and leave behind me? Like whatever that is, it, and this is by the way, still an ongoing process <laughs> and it yeah. will be forever. But I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I get there. And I think it's made me a, a better friend than I was 10 or 20 years ago. It's made me a better uh, uh, husband and romantic partner than I was 10 or 20 years ago. And hopefully 10 or 20 years from now, all of that will still be true because I, I had to have something actually like break the visage and actually like allow me to be raw and, and feel it and then figure out like, what do I need to do? And it's mortifying. It's, it's frightening and it's painful and it sucks. You already feel low and now I'm making myself feel worse, but it's just like the closest thing I could say is it's like starting to work out after you haven't worked out in a long time. Like the first few times it's super painful and it sucks, but then you get into a habit, you feel better. You start to look better. You move better. Like everything gets better if you put that work in and it has nothing like you can't watch somebody else work out and be like, feel pretty good. You nailed it. I think clearly I'm good. Got my selfie. (laughs) You know, exactly. Got my selfie. Uh, none of it matters unless you're going to do the work. And Heartbreak taught me that. So, fucking cheers. Hey. Amen. I'm going to clink you. Clink. Clink. Also, Charles, every, every episode there's a word that you use, and it makes me so happy because I love hearing it in your voice. Persnickety. I just I'm I oh, always I say persnickety. Dropped a pin. Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. I dropped a marker in the audio running through my head. Yep. Absolutely. I was yeah. like, oh god, that just it Man, made me. I probably said persnickety on the podcast twice. You have, but not in the middle of a sentence okay. about heartbreak. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like it was, it was a very. It's a fun word. It is a, it fun, is a fun word. word. Like schmendrick. Oh, schmendrick is one of the greatest. Fucking great word. Just give me anything that that gets gets something rolling all yeah. the way around my Cheeks palate and the tongue. And yeah, the, all that. All right, where are we at? I think it's you. Is it me? I hope it's you. I don't want to ask three questions in a row. All right, since we're drinking bubs. Yep. Bottle full of bubs. Bubs. All right, Dessa, what's a trend you expect or hope to see emerge in 2023? And or what's a trend you expect or hope to see depart in 2023? Mm, okay, and you said because we're drinking bubs, are you implying that bubbles are in and of themselves a trend? No, I'm talking about like it being the new year and okay, okay. new year, new things. Okay, got it. Ooh, that's a big one. Okay, what is currently a trend that I would like to see uh, either expand or chill? I would say I think it probably has something to do with 
socials, with social media. Mm. Um, gosh, is it possible for me to say pass for two Yeah, five absolutely. Minutes? Can I? Can I just gently? Can I just? Bump this question. Absolutely. Style to you. Anytime. I, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, all right. So I think that means I got a set. Yeah. Uh, I. The first time I read this, when you texted it to me, mm. my first thought was that both answers are TikTok dances. Uh. Because I don't think watching somebody do the little dance thing on TikTok <laughs> is the visualization <laughs> of how I heard uh, church songs in the Lutheran church that I grew up in. Like songs that are about rejoicing from completely flat-faced people singing with absolutely no joy. Um, like the, the only word in the chorus is rejoice and everybody's just going, rejoice, <laughs> rejoice. That's how I feel about the dances that I see on trying TikTok. To get all the steps right. They're trying to get the steps right, but like no one looks <laughs> like they're having any fun doing right. it. They're just like, duh, 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 duh. but then the flip side, and actually, fuck, you were there. One of my favorite memories of last year was uh, we, we were doing this uh, DJ night at uh, the Surly Beer Hall in, in Minneapolis. And uh, Dessa and Laserbeak, shout out to Laserbeak, theme song, beep, man, beep, beep. beep, beep. Uh, they were doing like a DJ night. Uh, and uh, I was there with my wife and a bunch of friends. And there was, a, uh, there was like a, a preteen softball league or baseball team that was there. And it was near the end of the, the day, and they had been eating pizza. And I think you ran, you ran inside for something, and Beak and I were sitting out there. And this, like, I would say maybe 13 or 14-year-old young boy comes running up to us. And he's like, can you play one more song before you guys go? And both of us, I, I, I felt it on my face, and I felt it on Beak's face, that we had angry dad, <laughs> where, like, we had just packed up the car, and now the kid has to go to the bathroom. We're like, what the fuck? What, what, what do you want? And it was right after that stra the uh, Stranger Things episode had come out. He, he asked for Kate Bush running up a hill, uh, which I don't think when I was that age, I, was I could find rocking. a friend that would listen to that song, yeah. much less in 2022. And it hadn't, the connection hadn't been made in my head that that was the song from the episode that had just dropped. Mm. And so we played it. And there's like a little mound in the back area at Surly. And they were like doing this TikTok dance while walking up a hill uh, and doing it. What? And, and Beak and I were standing side by side, just staring in complete <laughs> dumbfounded awe. And Dessa comes walking up from the right side. And I just, I didn't even look at you. I just heard you go, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like I left and five minutes later I come out and a boys ba baseball team is dancing to Kate But Bush. also to be clear, they're in uniform. They're in uniform. Like wearing yeah. cleats, wearing yes. like a hundred, a hundred percent. Yep. The short pants with the stirrup socks. What? Like they were, they yeah. were all in the same uniform. Yeah. The weirdest shit ever. It was absolutely a surreal fucking moment in my life. And I've wrestled with this since then. Like, I love the fact that Kate Bush made more money off that song in the last six months than she did in her entire career leading up to this. That's rad to me. Of course, yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to watch your kids fucking stupid dance. I don't want to see it to the uh, Oh No song. I definitely don't want to hear it to Party Rock Anthem. I'd, I'd like, I go back and forth on that. Mm -hmm. But the duality of maybe it's, it's pulling out like cult favorite and amazing songs and and like because there's a lot of songs like that that have gotten a second life. I just yeah. wish it was with something better than the TikTok app. 
Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I wondered, I wonder if on the whole, like that app, now that the U.S. is taking the, the potential legitimate, like, global affairs threat more seriously for data collections. Yeah. <laughs> for ByteDance. I wonder if that's on its way. Yeah. But I, okay, so I, I know this is a trend that's been bubbling up for a few years, but the idea of, like, increasingly um, difficult, like, we have such a splintered streaming environment right mm. now. That the kind of like constant mm. joke that we're all making about like, do you do you, do you have Hulu, Disney, Disney <laughs> Plus, Netflix? Do you know what I mean? Like this idea of having to have like I got every one of those motherfuckers. Okay, it's, it's not a contest, John. No, but I feel like <laughs> it's too many. Stop showing no, up. I failed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> having all of them means I'm a failure. Yeah, you're right. Actually, you're right. You found a way to pay more for cable than paying yeah, for cable. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I, I'm hoping <laughs> that irrespect. I mean, I know we're not going back to like TV, TV, but but that this idea of it being exclusive streaming yeah. only that that models is starting to feel like. It's it's being self it's parodied Absolutely. so so often mm -hmm. that I'm hoping that whatever the whatever the current like uh, corporate windowing plan is relaxes a little bit so that at some point when a movie comes out you're not you know taking out like starting a new credit card to watch the movie or yeah. whatever so Dude, that's uh, absolutely yeah. right. oh my god that's yeah that's a trend I'm not into like even having to look up like how what how do I watch the movie that just came out. Like, I don't even know where to find it. Okay, there's, they don't a, there's, there's a movie that I watched half of it on a plane flying Delta. I've been trying to watch this shit for six weeks, and the only place I can find it is on an Irish streaming channel that I can't access without a VPN. <laughs> oh, my God. What I'm not going to get a VPN. It's what? Yeah, just for that. Yeah. It's a documentary. It's kind of silly. But it's... um. It's about, it's called The Father of the Cyborgs. And it's just like an interesting, I'm into brain science uh -huh. stuff, right? So it's an interesting brain science doc. Mm. Fell off the Delta. And now it's like, I'm going to buy a ticket to Dublin. Like the only yeah. way to see this motherfucker, you know? Also, you should just do that. I should just go to Dublin. Like I literally. It would be, at this point, it's less expensive and less time consuming for huh? me to f interview this man by myself. Absolutely. You know I mean? yeah. <laughs> guy, You could get the BBC to pay for that. Come on. We could figure out a way. A more oh, enriching man. experience overall. It's yeah. <laughs> amazing. Fucking A. Uh, also, j just because you said brain science, are you familiar with the, the book, This Is Your Brain on Music? Yes. Okay. Um, wait, wait, wait. There's two of them. Forgive me. There's two of them that sometimes I conflate. There's the one by Sachs, but maybe that's musicology. That's musicology. And who, who did the this is your brain Dan Levitan. Oh, He's, I haven't read. No, I haven't read the okay. Levitan one. Um, if you, it, it is the, the book that I have given people as a gift the second most in my life. It is, abs if you ever just want to, it's a very easy read. Like you can knock it out in a day or two. Oh. Um, but it's a really, it's a really easy intro to what your brain actually does while you're listening to music. And all it did was color in a whole bunch of background on things I knew my brain was doing, but I had no idea why. Mm. And it made me fall harder in love with music as a whole. As somebody who was already, like that way, was the thing I loved the most. Yeah. It just made it even better. So just as an added, Dan Levitan is an incredible writer, and that book, it absolutely, like every two years I reread it just to remind myself. Dope. But it's fucking, I mean, if you like music and you're at all interested in your brain, just read it. Dope. Just made me think of it, so apologies. I don't, I don't like either You don't like music. Things. You're not interested I in I hate brain. music, not into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Miserable. That's why I'm drinking alcohol. <laughs> Ain't we all. <laughs> so Charles, what is your, what is your answer to that? Uh, I do like a coming and going list every year regarding food and beverage. It's 
part of what I do consulting with my clients, my partners, and it's always fun to like prognosticate about what's going to happen and what's over with. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think I'm pretty good at it, but I, I have a couple, I have a couple I'll share and I I selected some of the comings because I think Quam will agree with these. Uh, And it's, I mean, these are things that we already love, but I think are becoming more um, culturally homogenous, but uh, in a good way. Yeah. 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 So I think, Shot in a beer is becoming in vogue as an order. Mm-hmm. So that seemed like a crude order, mm-hmm. even like last year, especially you call that a boiler maker? If you put you it can. in. If what? If I put the shot glass oh, in the beer. If it's not mm. in it, boiler it's maker. not a boiler maker? If not, I would, oh. I would only call it a beer in a bump. I, most, I call it a boiler maker if it's curated. Mm-hmm. They're like this beer and this bump. And you can drop it or you can, you can do whatever. After they hand it to you, do whatever the hell you want. But... If you're curating your own, it's just a, a beer and a bump. But that's like in vogue now that people can, you're, if you're on a date and you do that, I don't think anyone's going to look at you cross. The other thing, and it relates to that, is that uh, using a dive bar as a date location uh, doesn't seem tacky or uninspired anymore. You take someone to like scratched wood, names in the tables, stickers all over the walls, really loud, still smells like smoke, even though you couldn't have smoked there for 15 years bathrooms are dingy spot and it can feel like an event like eventus where like a couple of years ago people would be like what are you doing why would you bring me to your your bar it would seem more like that like why'd you bring me to your dingy bar i think now it's actually adventurous i feel like the the bathroom question like i can already hear my wife pushing back on like, if the bathroom's disgusting, you're not getting a second date because I don't want to have to pee. It doesn't got to be disgusting, some, but yeah. just like, you know. Uh, but Meteor, Meteor is a good example, yeah. you know. It's just like paper. It's a bar in I think what we've done is our generation has taken over dive bars and we've made them, like, nice enough that we mm. feel safe and not going to catch anything, but we could still have, like, a casual hang. Do you think it's also... I don't know this to be true, so it's an honest question. Do you think it's also the case that in our generation, dive bars became more co-ed. Yes. Oh, and absolutely. so like before, yeah, yeah. it's like, ah, totally. right? And so yeah. now it's like, no, no, no. We're all old enough. They're like, all right, I got my dive bar. Mm-hmm. You got yours. And yeah. so it becomes a place that becomes a candidate. Mm-hmm. It's the anti-sports bar. It's just like yep. a place to be yeah. as opposed to a place where you're going for a specific purpose other than imbibing. It's shift- like a, nothing's better than like a really dope dive bar. It's shifted a little bit, but my definition for a, for, When I was explaining why I love my favorite dive bar, I said it was a sports bar, but instead of sports, it was a jukebox. Like, that was what we would gather, and we'd hang out, and we'd drink beers, and we'd celebrate when a dope song came on, and when a shitty song came on, we'd look around, try to figure out who the fuck put it on. Like, just mean mugging everyone, hoping, and it was probably somebody in my group. But but that, I I 100% agree with that. Dives can have sports, but they can't be about sports. Correct. Sports bars are about sports. Yeah, the thing, the th- only thing in the description that I r- wrangle for a moment, it's like the, the super loud, mm-hmm. like medium loud, but like the super loud, but also maybe that's like, so I spent half my time in New York where the preference acoustically to me is, is really remarkable and that I think a lot of, you know, establishments here overtly or casually either, you know, throwing up, uh, some acoustic paneling on the ceilings if they're being deliberate about it or just throwing mm-hmm. something soft on the fucking far back wall if mm-hmm. they're being chill about it. Whereas, like, in New York, for a while, I was like, gosh, I guess acoustic science hasn't gotten here yet like an idiot. Yeah. But but very often, though, not very often, I was talking to a homie about the fact that they opened a new spot, it's popping, 
they pipe in on the on the on the low like cocktail conversation mm-hmm. to make sure that the din is loud of human voices. I don't know. I think for me anyway, I have a, on a date environment, I have a limit to that. Like I don't like it crazy. I don't like yelling. Oh, absolutely. Date. Yeah. Yeah. More loud, like the din of human voices. That's my preference. Yeah. But you know, I'm not talking about like CBGB or local okay. option in terms of like banging loud music. Cause that's more like a punk bar than a dive bar. RIP CBGB. It can be, you know, music playing at a reasonable volume. Yeah. But mostly like loud, just because there's like people having fun. Yeah. That kind of loud. Yeah, if you're sitting across the table and you're you're shouting like Doc Brown at the end of Back mm. to the Future, like, no, I have to tell you, but like, no, that's that's it's not, not sexy. Work. No, yeah. but I will yeah. say, um, when the world shut down and and we, like we were spraying down our food and putting saran wrap on everything and everybody was just c- completely crazy, uh, a friend of mine and I did a live stream DJ gig. And uh, we played a background track that was just the sound of people talking on repeat. We did that for New Year's. It was awesome. Yeah. It I was amazing it. how many people messaged. Like, Commented on it? Almost double over any song requests or any, like, thank you for playing that song. It was people, like, said, it just, in my living room, it mm-hmm. felt like I was around people again. Yeah. And I didn't know I needed that. Yeah. And it was fascinating Show. Show. to have that be a thing. Yeah. Jessa, what's your favorite dive in New York City if you have one? Mm. Bonus question. I would say, so, so admittedly, um, I probably don't, like, I, I'm i a happy visitor to a dive bar, but it's not my first suggestion usually. Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'd say the f- there was one on the Upper East Side, which closed like eight weeks ago, uh, called the America Bar, which is pretty I know the America Bar. No, you don't. That place is, I absolutely, I do. Oh, right. So, yeah, absolutely. For a dive? Uh, shout out to my friend, Leah Danley, who Did I think still closed? listens to the show. Yeah, oh. uh, she used to she used to live like four or five blocks away from there, so uh, it was like there and Firehouse and a couple other places. And Firehouse is closed, I think, too. Yeah, it's uh, a turnover. It's, it feels like a turnover time. Right yeah, but tile bars dope, but it's loud. And I admit that like there's there's a lot of um, blind. It's not it's not a dive like the blind barber vibe, but like there's mm. a time of night where I'm like cool. I think I you know I'm gonna peace out at like ten thirty just because. I think the volume of the music turns up enough that with the din, either one is fine. But as soon as I get to yelling, I'm probably like good to go. Sure. Yeah. I being like 90% deaf in my right ear. Like once we get to that point, I try to read lips as best I can. But if it gets to a point where like I can't do it or if everyone is short and we have to stand, like I can't. Yeah. Like, all right, I'm out. Either it looks like I'm trying to figure out if you have dandruff or I'm looking directly down your shirt. Either way, it's uncomfortable. It's a loose, it's a loose. And no one ever wants to like look straight up and talk to somebody. So it's, uh, what's, what's your, do you have a, yeah. you got a dive bar in New York? I have two, I have Holiday two, two. Cocktail Lounge and Ray's. Mm. Okay, I've never been to, where's Holiday? Oh God. Uh, I, 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 would I have, have to, the internet. I would I have to look out. exactly. It's yeah, definitely, they're both Lower East Side. Okay. They're both Lower East Side. Mm. Um, Holiday Cocktail Lounge is recommended to me by Robert Meteor. You got to okay. go down some steps. It's kind of sub-level. Yeah. Like real chill, round bar right in the middle. Um, you know, kind of dingy, but in a, in a like a cute way. Yeah. In an adorable way. Ray's is owned by Cousin Greg from uh, HBO's um, Succession. Oh, yeah. And that's where Gotham Social Club does their smash burgers right outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like everything I want to see when I walk in a bar, like the location of the bar, there's a pool table. You're in the way right when you walk in. You got to get out of the way. The bathrooms are cool. They have photographs taken on an actual camera of guests, but they look really beautiful, like great, like great <laughs> photos. And it's just like, you know, 
super cold high life. You can take it outside, yeah. order a burger. They got like those outdoor stands they put on the street during the pandemic. Yeah. You can just like post up in there, drink a beer. Someone's booming music on a speaker so loud you can't hear your order. But, you know, it's not that loud you're outside. Yeah. But it's just like everything you're looking for in a dive. It's really cool. God, you guys, it seems like you have such an encyclopedic knowledge of the hospitality universe. It is amazing. The Truly. I, 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 I can't speak for Charles, but I will say that it makes it a lot easier that when I am traveling, I'm just doing it for enjoyment. I don't, I'm not doing it because I have to work or I'm doing anything yeah, else sure. whenever I'm in another city. And I lucked out with New York because a company that I used to work for, the headquarters was there. We had quarterly meetings there. Mm. And I would just tack on a day on either end so that I always had yeah. a day to myself in New York, which was incredible for me. Uh, so mine would be uh, in like Midtown. There's a bar called uh, the Old Town Bar, I think is literally what it's called. Uh, it's... It's old enough that the women's bathroom is in a different building because originally it was a men's only bar. Like going back to what you just said, uh, but the place is fucking awesome. Like, is it two levels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I love that place. <laughs> yeah. uh, on the Lower East Side, I feel bad calling this a dive bar because they would swear up and down it's an Irish pub. But there's a bar across the street from Criff's Dogs and PDT called Saint Dymphna's Pub. Yeah, I've been there. And yeah, and it's like the bathrooms are completely covered, absolutely floor to ceiling in people writing like their names and who they're there with and whatever. They pour a proper pint of Guinness and then they have High Life and Jameson. And I love like, it's kind of surrounded within three blocks of like all the super hot cocktail Mm -hmm. bars from a few years ago. And they're just in the middle, like still charging seven bucks for Guinness. Like, yeah, Yeah. we're, we're fine. Love that place. Has its place, for sure. And then there's a spot. Um, God, I don't remember the name of it to save my life. There's a spot in, uh, spot in Park Slope that is a single-story bar. It has that like um, that like New England colonial look where it's white with black shutters. And then the only reason that I love this place and I fell in love was it was the first place in New York that I was ever a part of a lock-in where they shut all the shutters and they lock all the doors and they put ashtrays out. And we drank till like uh-huh. five in the morning. I oh. probably smoked a pack of cigarettes. God, so cool. But, and I'd like, I didn't even want to keep smoking, but it was so fun <laughs> to smoke inside a bar and like to literally have no idea what time it was. <laughs> like my phone had died hours yeah. ago. So dope. That effect happens matter. at Club Caraway too. I was here last Thursday and I had five cigars. And <laughs> on my fifth one, I was like, why am I smoking five cigars on a Sunday? <laughs> but it's because it's Club Caraway. Because it's Club Caraway. Because <laughs> we're in the classy <laughs> confines. That's it. Did you know the bar? It seemed like you recognized it. Was that because I saw you? Which, which spot was? in Park Slope? I can't. Oh, I think I, like I, I think I, I think I was like trying to. Uh, uh, I thought you were was it. was gesturing. Oh, yeah, and, like, yeah. and I was I was trying to conjure the image of it in my head. I had a couple uh. guesses that were then. Uh, yeah. Fair, <laughs> fair. There, there. Someone knows be, it. Someone's listening to this, and they're like, "Who's yelling at the? Who's yelling at the? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. There was a there was an uh, an incredible chef from uh, originally from Appleton, Wisconsin, named Brett Macris. And he opened a, a restaurant called Rosewater in Park Slope. And Brett was the reason I found that place. Because I went and had dinner. And I was like, what do I do after this? Like, this was one of the best dinners I've ever had in a dining room that had seven tables. And all of the walls were only bookshelves, floor to ceiling, with all of their favorite books. Like, I, how do I, I, I don't know what to do. And he literally just wrote down the name of a bar. And it was like two blocks that way, one block this way. 
And I grabbed it and I went and I walked in. I was like, oh, I, I, he was right. So this is the cool. fucking move. You know, I, this is only tangentially related, but it, there was this spot that I wanted to go to and had been meaning to go to before the pandemic. Wasn't sure, you know, if they were going to flow through or whatever. And it was like in Staten Island, which becomes a, you know, that's a, that's a trek. Yep. And who, who are you going to ask? Who's gonna, who are you going to ask who's going to go with you? But yeah. I went, I went with a couple of friends and it's a spot called Nona's or Nona's and they essentially, have this kitchen staff that's constant. It's not a huge spot. But I think it's a monthly rotation where they fly in for one month or, or otherwise uh, retain the services for one month of two grandmothers. Come on. What? From different parts of the world. Come on. And they say, okay. I would have gone with you. What are you... Yeah. What are your dishes? And then, you know, it's really sweet. Every once in a while, grandmother will say, like, well, should we do it? I mean, you know, if there's a farmer's market here, we can get your fancy tomatoes. They go, no, no, no. What is your... If we're supposed to throw away the right half of the tomato for no reason, then yeah. we're throwing away the right half. Right. Like, So it's these verbatim recipes from two grandmas. So the night that I went, it was from Trinidad and Tokyo, I think. I'm pulling up my New York pad and right now. And it's just... They <laughs> just hand you a Microsoft what? Word, single printed page. I, I, if there's a logo on it, I don't remember it. You maybe get five choices from each one, and that's your night. This is the... I'm fucking... This is the greatest no, right? shit I've ever heard I of I follow a, like a Nona... It's not them, but I follow like a Nona's Instagram account, and it's yeah. just like so heartening. Yeah. Seeing these little old <sighs> Italian ladies... So dope. And, and, cooking and, the way they cook. They just... It's so cool. And when they leave for the night... Everybody stands and goes, yeah, you know, as they as they take oh, their leave out so the restaurant, right? Okay, it's going on my giant document of New York. Meanwhile, show. can I have permission officially to hit you guys up when I'm headed to a city I haven't been in a second? Holy shit! Yes. I don't know shit because oh, touring through through music, right? All I get is you're within six blocks of the venue, so you get a vibe for the people, you mm -hmm. get a vibe for the fashion, maybe you get a vibe for the slang. Yeah. All of it, I love. But I don't know shit about nice restaurants. Also, so don't, many of these places that don't I don't hesitate when you're coming home or coming back to Minnesota too. Like Word, okay. we got you. Like we'll send you some cool stuff. Also, all right, now flip side. Yeah. So Charles and I have been talking about uh since we have uh sponsorship from the great folks at Balanced and, and uh Foundry Nation, we've been talking about using some of those funds to then do traveling episodes. So if we could work out a time that you were around, Let's maybe we go, go to, maybe we go to New York, we record a couple episodes oh, and then we fun. celebrate with a Let's dinner on go. Staten Island. Because that would be fucking rad. Yeah. So dope, yeah. right? That's That might be the coolest concept I've ever heard of, period. I That's was wonderful. so immediately turned That's upside so down cool. charmed. I thought it was Ugh. so fresh. Ugh. All I'm ever looking for is an excuse to go to New York, so... Yeah. I would ask me twice. I feel like we're going to we're gonna walk up, and there's just going to be like an old guy in a rocking chair being like, well, that restaurant burned down 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, totally. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, what? Uh, also, speaking to New York, my flip side of the coin, the exiting trends. Oh, I think yeah. cocktails, oh, yeah. cocktails that expressly taste like a specific thing. Yeah. I think that's on the way out. Can you, uh, oh, I see. Sure, sure, sure. You that know, are yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. this daiquiri tastes like baklava. Why? Yeah. Please, um, except for double chicken, please, in New York City, because those motherfuckers are out of their minds. The shit Explain. they're doing. Explain. I, I, I haven't sense. been here. Oh, they got this red eye gravy drink. They got this beet salad drink. They're just they're on a different level. Okay, they're operating on a frequency that most people don't understand. So it's just it's a so little. So they're, they're taking a gimmick to mastery. Is that what is that what it is or no? Yeah, not everything they do tastes like another thing. Okay, but they have cocktails that taste like they had a cocktail that tastes like. I was there with Justin Sutherland a couple weeks ago. And we got several of the drinks just experimentally. Yeah. Let's see if that tastes like what it purports to taste like. And the red eye gravy drink had this 
like air dried disc of um, pancetta on mm. it. And if you drink the drink, the drink tastes like a nice drink. But then if you take a little little snap off that pancetta, it's red eye gravy. And you're oh, like, what the fuck? I'm getting drunk on red eye gravy. What, what is happening to me? I but mean, also a great name for the podcast. What's drunk, that? Drunk on red eye gravy. Drunk on red Absolutely. Gravy. Sounds like, I don't know. The or, the, or my country album. I don't know what it is. Yeah. No, that's, a, that's a great country. <laughs> uh, also, real quick, side shout out to Justin Sutherland. Uh, just had surgery again this morning. Uh, seems to be doing great, but just wanted to say I love you, dude, and uh, we can't wait yeah. to have you back on the show. Absolutely. Just one He'll of my be back on soon. He one of my favorite he wants humans. To come on. Yeah. That's what's up. All right. Cool. Well, shit. Cheers. Yeah. Hey. I see you guys. I did. I poured a, a wee bit of mezcal. I don't know if you're feeling that at all, or the malort, or the whiskey. I got a little lord. I'm gonna finish this. Song. I'm gonna go, go to spirit, spirit Town with you guys. <laughs> let's yeah. let's go to Spirit Town. <laughs> all right. Cheers. Mm, mm, mm. Wait, can, wait before before we leave here, yeah. can can I ask as someone who's like completely a spectator and not a not a player of that kind of culinary universe in which you guys live? Um, when I'm not a player, I just cook a lot. Okay, I had to. <laughs> I was like, don't say it, and then I was like, no, I'm gonna explode if I don't. I, yeah, I'm gonna explode. To be said. Sorry. To. I mean, this is a trend of I don't know <laughs> five eight years ago. I, I, I guess I, I don't have a good sense, but like, are you? Do your eyes automatically roll back into your skull when there's truffle stuff? Or are you like, you know what? That's a wonderful flavor that should be used appropriately and we got, we got trigger happy. Or are you like, you know what? Bring it on all the time. Or are you like, go to bed? I'm in New York in December. I'm eating all the truffles. It's winter truffle season. You got those Alba truffles. I'm fucking with all the truffles. Sometimes, though, the upcharge, you know, especially, like, if you're in the Midwest, yeah. those truffles are suspect, if they're real truffles. Okay. They're suspect. They could be, like, it's sometimes that like eating it? a poker chip, you know, like, like mm-hmm. it snaps on your tooth, and you're like, oh, all right, I got the $60 supplement charge for really bad truffles. So here I don't fuck with it a lot unless it's somewhere really reputable, like a Gavin Kaysen spot. But, like, truffle oil, there better not be an upcharge. I'll eat truffle oil. People are foofy about it. Like, uh. I'll never eat truffle oil. I'll eat fucking, I know a perfumist made it. Sure. It tastes kind of nice on some stuff. If you're in a sports bar and they're like, we put truffle oil on your fries. I'm not going to be it. like, let me slap the cook. I'm like, I'll eat it. Okay, okay, okay. This is so helpful. What do you think? Um, so, if it's if it's actual, like, shaved truffle, mm. every now and then, I, I do. I, I enjoy it. I've yeah. done it, and I'm like, yeah, that was worth it. Truffle oil, uh, I, it's one of those things that I will smell on my skin for the next, like, day. Like, it seeps out of my pores. Uh, and you're sensitive to it. Yeah, and okay. so if it's over the top, like, uh, there's a, a, a restaurant chain here in town that has truffle fries with Parmesan. I understand why people love them. If I have more than literally, like, the, the four-finger pinch, if I have more mm. than that amount of fries, I will literally... I, I'll, my pillow will smell like it the next day. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just I kind of stay away from it. But like I know spots who do the truffle fries, yeah. and it's like they have a deft hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, if used sparingly, I think it's rad. But I have developed a reobsession with truffles after watching the documentary The Truffle Hunters. Have you are you familiar with this? I've, I yeah, have not talked seen. To you about it. And I, I haven't have seen, seen it, and I got a friend who's been begging me to watch it. Was it me? <laughs> uh, it was Paul Butenhoff. <laughs> okay, I. I watched this on a plane. Yes. And uh, the older I get, and I think the more like work I do on myself, the more open I am to like to crying at art, right? Also, uh, planes do that, just to yeah. say that out loud. The, the whole experience, right? 
But I, I put my headphones on and I was like, I had read something about this. Like, well, whatever. Like, it's something I don't have to think about. Five minutes in, I don't think I've ever given anything more attention in my life. <laughs> it is a documentary about five adorable elderly people in Italy who hunt truffles with their dogs. With their and it, dogs. And it's about, because their dogs are who sniff them out. Yep. And it's one, but most, I'd say like 70 to 80% of the movie is about the relationship of these adorable old people and their dogs, who they love so much. Is it a singular kind? Because admittedly, I immediately thought pigs. Is, is it in a particular breed? No. Okay. It's, each of them have different breeds. And it's a lot more of a rumination on living a, living a chosen life that is lonely in Ooh, an age where shit. it's kind of dying out and what's going to happen. And then it's juxtaposed with how much money and the amount of, of pomp and ridiculous circumstance goes along with the presentation of these trump truffles to the fine dining crowd. And these are... It, I, I honestly, like, I had no problems. Like, just tears streaming down my face at watching this man talk to his dog about that he worked out that a woman in town is going to take care of him when he's gone because the dog is clearly going to outlive him. Like, it is the most, it, it is the most beautiful rumination on what it, what it feels to be human aging. But on top of it, it's adorable old men yelling Italian at each other. It's the cutest fucking thing ever. It's so great. Okay, I gotta and, watch. And so now watching watch. like all of the work that these guys go through, I'm like, well, just because I got mad at like the bullshit market for truffles and how it goes to all the fine dining restaurants. Doesn't, right. I, it just changed. I'm, just, I'm really quick looking it up on Just Watch to see if there's a place to stream it for free. It's on stars. Correct. I have stars because I got all that shit okay. as we've already established. Otherwise, I think it's. I, a, I think I. Okay. I bought it on Amazon Prime for. But it's, like, it's on Directv on demand. It's on stars on demand. Yeah. It's. I need to watch it. Yeah. I'm, I'm making special note of that because Paul was real hype on that shit like last summer, not this past yep. summer. Yep. No, two summers ago, he was. He saw it like. He said he watched it like six nights in a row. So. To, to me, right. the, there's this doesn't give anything away. To me, like the cutest of all the old guys, is this this dude who has a dog named Birba. And uh, when it's just the two of them, he calls her Birbetta, like my little Birbetta. Mm -hmm. And every time he's calling her, like it just, it just happened all over again. <laughs> so I was so touched. Tears. Yeah. So I was so touched by it that on the flight back, I fucking watched it again, cried again. Oh, Doesn't matter. Like I'm, I don't care about the dialogue. I literally turned off subtitles at one point because you don't need to know what they're saying to understand what's going on in just about every scene. The only thing that I learned truly was, was when it showed what happens to the truffles after they hit the market and like how much things just escalate from there. I didn't, okay. I didn't know any of that. You know, so I have a couple friends, again, only tangentially, but a couple friends who are like um, in, their, in their spare time are dedicated, not expert, but like dedicated mushroom hunters. So the, the musician Jeremy Messersmith, Oh, he's so wonderful. Right. And then my my good friend and manager, uh, Becky Hoffman. Who I can't mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. But like, yo, her with a mushroom knife. Come on. Mother. Chicken of the Woods. I ride so hard for Chicken of the Woods. I mm. think it is enormously underrated. Mm -hmm. And that motherfucker can find, like, if she comes back with something that's like six 
pounds. It looks like like a head of cabbage. It's because people it have like so fucked up old dried out ones and they're like, I don't like it. I'm like, you exactly. didn't, you and, didn't and, really and have it. That wasn't it. And she, mm-hmm. these tender, I mean, it's so good. But my mom, so when I was little, my mom had come from New York. New York, Puerto Rican, like raised in city, city, like Bronx shit, you know, comes here. I, I was raised here. But she came in part because of the book Silent Spring. So it was this like, um, like early environmentalist book, right? But short story long, her whole life, she's been moved by and, and most passionate about like ag and slow cooking, like mm-hmm. Italian style and stuff, you know? So she called me up number of years ago like she pulled over she's still in her she was like a public relations person she'd still she was still in her like you know pearls or fake pearls and and chanel number five and like a beautiful secondhand suit she pulled over on the side of the road and made an offer on a piece of paper for five pregnant cows let's go i love this human damn and i was like mom like that's some jack in the bit like that's <laughs> everything is you know what i mean and when she made that offer, she had knocked on the door. She saw the cows on the side of the road. She knocked on the door, and they thought maybe she was some bullshit from the bank trying to mm-hmm. fuck with them, you know? And so the, it was the female member of the farming team, so the wife of the farmer, wouldn't, because my mom's still in corporate wear, she wouldn't open the screen door. So my mom pushed the offer on a page that she ripped out of her mileage notebook in her car. She pushed mm-hmm. it through the screen door so that the woman took it, put it on the counter until her man got home. And accepted the offer. Amazing. So my mom became an organic rancher. And wow. so mom is like, you know, when I was little, we would go to what they were called seed service exchange. So we would save all of our seeds from our tomatoes, from heirloom varieties to go and meet people around the country to trade seeds, like drug dealers, right? In little plastic yeah. bags to try to, the, the goal then was like to preserve biodiversity. Of course, I don't understand that. But my mom, unbeknownst to me, like this big, you know, she's transformed our backyard into like, you know, a garden uh, uh, that's, you know, herbalist and edible borage and heirloom tomatoes and such. So she's, but she, it's, it's all run through with political stuff for right. her. Again, all of it invisible to me. But so when she bought these cows, you know, she grew up in the fucking Bronx. Like the first season, she called somebody in to castrate the cows. And first she had to separate the boys from the girls. Unbeknownst to her, several of those first five were pregnant. So she has her first, you know, Litter herd? I don't know what the hell you call my cows. <laughs> and she asked the guy in, he castrates, he castrates, and then he yells, this one's a two-holer! Like, she hit it inadvertently. She doesn't even know how to sex the cows yet. She put a female one in. But, yeah, watching her learn how to live, like, a ranch lifestyle <laughs> in the second half of her life has Absolutely been Absolutely amazing. Oh, my God, that's incredible. It's been huge. Like, she's fucking living it. And, you know, the fire alarm goes off when she hangs her garlic because of the airborne volatiles. And, yeah, it's dope. That is literally one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Yeah, that's tremendous. It's I'm gl- I'm so happy you told that story. That's yeah. Fucking fantastic. It's really sweet. So, like, yeah, I was a vegetarian until she became a rancher. I was like, fuck it. I'm eating this meat, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. My mom's raising cows. Yeah. Let's go. Her summer sausage. Next time you have these little fancy gifts for gifts for, for guests. Maybe I can roll through with Bull Burke Some Keep. Summer sausage. Summer sausage. You know we're in. Ooh. Yeah. You know we're in. It's banging. Oh. Yeah. I love it. Some gifts for hosts. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's 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 wind her down with the last one. Oh, I don't even need to look this up. I uh, so all three of us in this room have very distinct voices, and I don't mean that just literally. I mean that with uh, how we use a pen or a keyboard, how we use design, uh, 
I think the humans in our lives would say that they could absolutely pick out <laughs> how, like what we've done with our voices in their own lives. Is there a a favorite thing that you've used your voice for, whatever that may be, something that brings you happiness or or hilarity or whatever? And then is there something that you've always wanted to use your voice for or on? Uh, and you can interpret that as loosely as you like. This is a great question. Can I punt? Yes. Can I, can I put you on the, in the hot seat, Jess? Statue of Liberty over here. <laughs> Let's go. Statue of Liberty feeling the punt. About to go 60. Uh, I'm going to, as a, the Statue of Liberty fielding a punt, I'm going to split right through the special teams. I'm going to go right between the two values. I'm going to say um, it's something I'm doing that I am happy that I'm doing. Um, I've let my voice in various ways, writing, design, um, consulting, judging in many ways, but like my primary vocation, the way I make money is my company, Patmos Design and Identity. And I work with Club Caraway now where we record our podcasts. And I was, I never really, I wasn't like thinking this was a prospective partner for my business at any point. It's sort of, I was parting ways with the prior client, you know, just like, everything that wanted to be accomplished was accomplished. And then I had the contract coming up and Derek was like, can you, can you just flip the switch and now you work with me? Like, Oh, okay. But it's super dope because I've been so close to libations and food by extension for such a long time that having the, um, Claudia tailoring stuff, the, private events, which I have experience in, but then like the barbershop, the cigar lounge. I've never worked with any cigar Mm -hmm. uh, manufacturer or lounge or anything of that nature, uh, even though it's something that I'm really passionate about and I absolutely love. So having this as a newer partner to me um, at this point has been really fucking cool because it I, I was able to like turn my gaze in a new direction and have a conical view of things that I haven't been spending a lot of time marketing and designing for and conceptualizing for. And it's been really exciting because even though our books stay full, if something exciting pops up for me, I want to do it just to, especially like varied content or like varied potential. Like we do so much or we've done so much over the last decade with beer that if someone comes along and they're, you know, they say, Hey, uh, I'm an arborist. I need a logo. I'm like, I have zero hours to dedicate to your project. I'll do it because I'm like, yes, we want to do something new, different, interesting, just like stretch the bandwidth of our, our brains, get that neuroplasticity going. Mm-hmm. Cause if all you're doing is conceptualizing products for the beer space and branding products for the beer space and, designing the, you know, the packaging and marketing it to the public that gets to be, you know, um, the shining, mm-hmm. like it's just, it's not, it's not gratifying. I'll work so, in a play so, and make Charles a dull boy. That's, that's a persnickety up. boy. Sorry. A persnickety <laughs> Never boy. dull. Pers- it's, persnickety. Don't make me call this episode persnickety boy, please. <laughs> so yeah, working with these guys has been super cool and I'm really excited about the future. And I think even Derek is astounded at the number of, 
stupid and sometimes maybe kind of good ideas that I come with and I come up with on a daily basis. But it's so exciting to me that I'm just like sometimes late at night or on a Sunday, I'm like, ooh, ooh, and I'm like, I better leave them. We alone. could do that. Like we could do this. We yeah, could do that. I'll leave them. I'll put it in the notepad, and then tomorrow morning I'll send them like 19 things, and I'll be like, Hey, can I have an espresso? Can I? Can I just have an espresso first? Let me ease into this. <laughs> yeah, right. Like Marnie, he's my work wife. Yes, he's, yeah. he's, 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 he's my your, work wife. He's your professional Marnie. That's <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Derek. I said that. Amazing. <laughs> okay, so I feel like of the things that I've I done in the past, and I'm like, I, I'm sh- like every creative, and there's wins and there's losses, and it feels like, oh, this was a... A not very ambitious idea, but I did it well. And this was an ambitious idea that I didn't do. You know, there's all sorts of permutations of success and failures. But I feel like um, there are a a few songs that maybe by virtue of the lyrics were well done, but I think also by virtue of probably when in my life I put them out and how old my you know my listenership was at their their life. There's been a few conversations that. What are you laughing? Because my preamble is so fucking loud. No, no, not at it all. Is. It's just con- no, 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 not not <laughs> not even at all. I, I'm laughing what? because I've never thought about what it would feel like to have your entire adult life in lyrics, and have people choose when to start. Follow, like that's mortifying. I've never once thought about that, but it's kind of mortifying to think about. It's yeah. so humbling. Like, so, I'm sorry. I, it's so my, my my brain just went wild yeah. being like. Holy yeah. shit, if you came in at this age, right? Oh, wow. What, that's, what lands and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. But, there, but there's been a couple of conversations that to me, uh, I, I think anyway, like those are in the permanent collection mm-hmm. in my chest, right? Mm-hmm. One of them was uh, a woman wrote me. It was like big fucking real, big, big life moments. It was her last moments with her husband. And, and they knew it was going to be the last, so the song she played. Fuck, man, right? And then, on the other happier side, it was also um, you know a song that I that I had written about you know gender stuff and kind of trying to figure out. I hope in a way that that lays a a welcome mat out to say, hey, we're all born into one body. Nobody gets the bird's eye view of fucking humanity. Not me, not you, not you. Nobody, nobody. Right? We all have our particulars. And so this one happened to be focused on gender stuff. But a couple of dudes wrote me to say, yo. You know, I, I replaced the, the sign in my little girl's nursery uh, with go out and be brave, which was one of the lyrics from that shit. And that, that one stays, right? So that was a big yeah. win. And then for the, for the stuff that, like, I, for me anyway, it feels like uh, I, I've reached for it a few times and I haven't been able to grasp it. But I have a, an interest in and a strong desire to, like, do some more kind of screenplay stuff. And there's something that I don't, it's a known unknown. I can tell every time I try that it's almost like you, you forgot the, um, the baking soda. It didn't rise for some reason. A lot of mm. it, a lot, there were some good moments, but I can tell that there's some crucial skill that I have as yet to acquire. But I am attracted to that. Yeah. I, my answer is the exact same. Well, how so? What do you mean? So screen, I... Screen stuff? No. Yeah, screen stuff. Like, so um, <clears throat> I've been fortunate enough... Uh, to have two separate runs of making a decent amount of money off of my, my voice. And let's, Hey, pause. 
Fuck yes. It's uh, like, it's Fuck ridiculous yes. to think that that's a thing that I had to claim on taxes. I still kind of have a tough time being like, mm, I ha- wait, what? Like this was a thing? Trouble. Uh, you know, 15-ish years ago, uh, I got my first royalty check for some uh, hype tracks for DJ shit that we were doing back when uh, like Crooklyn Clan and all that shit first exploded. I was with working with this group called uh, Discotech. It was a super rad time in my life. And somehow that turned into me being the voice that tells everybody to find their seat at the Walker Art Center Theater, which was also like the most surreal thing when I told myself to sit <laughs> down at a show and I didn't know that they were still using it. It was a very confusing moment in my life. And I'm sure if anybody had Please a camera on down me, me, I looked like yeah. I had never heard the word sit down before because I was looking around as if there was a spot that my own, whatever, it's dumb. Uh, Were you yelling, shut up, motherfucker? <laughs> you're like, whoa, Don't this you talk to me. Me. This Don't you go. talk to me, me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then now, just this last year, uh, I've been doing car commercials. And it's wild, but I've still never heard one. In, you haven't? No, because it's all in like Oklahoma and Texas. Interesting. So I have That's I have no gonna idea. That's going to happen. So I love, I love that that's become a thing. And it's, it's been fun. Like a year ago, I would have said that I want to get back into voiceover stuff. And it's been really great to be able to do that again. I love that. But the thing that's been missing from my life, and I've, I've reconnected with a few old friends who I had no idea were like super shadow lurking on my social media. And independently, two people on two different continents gave me a talking to about how I need to actually write more than just for myself. And I've had two scripts that are unfinished, one of which I flew to L.A. to pitch. And then when it didn't sell immediately, I just was like, well, that didn't work. Eh." And I still have them. I reread them every now and then. I'm still very proud of where they're at. And I I just have to push myself. Like, that's what I want to try and do, even if it's just to finish it so I can put it to bed and be like, it's done. Yep. but I will tell you... Finish it meaning finish the script or finish... Finish the like script. Attempting I, to pitch the, the script. The original ending that I wrote, I don't like because it's the ending that I wrote when I was 30 and I was mad. Okay. I was mad and I was alone. It reads that way now. It's yeah. really embarrassing. It's, again, going back to like the working on myself. It's really... The first two thirds are... Absolutely, I'm still... That joke is still funny. We have to update the references. But like, that's great. This is rad. The last third of the movie, I really felt was like me putting my heart on the page and now rereading it. It is the angriest, saddest little person just trying to be like, Bang. and I just need to, I've deleted all of that and separated it out. I wanted to keep that because I need to remind myself that I was there. Sure. But it just, it ends at like one of my favorite paragraphs and then it's just, and it's been that way since. And I really want to finish that conversation desperately just so that I can end it with myself. It's like, uh, like when you have a song stuck in your head and you can't finish it and then you listen to it and whatever part wouldn't come in your head, like then it's done and then it's kind of out of your head. I've been doing that for over 10 years. Yep. Heard, and it's heard, still sitting there. Heard. And I will also gladly say if you ever want to talk about screenwriting or dialogue or anything like I went pretty hard for a couple of years about it, and I, I have a number of things that might eliminate roadblocks that are very simple. Dope. So, very cool. Also, uh, I wasn't gonna t- I, w- I wasn't gonna say this on the show. I was actually gonna tell you this afterwards. But can I tell you a wee little story about kind of what you were just saying? So, when we first started talking about doing this show, uh, I went on a trip with my family. I have a cousin who is literally like my twin. 
And I refer to him as my brother. His kids are my niece and nephew, period. His daughter, Rachel, is, if I remember right, she's going to kill me. I, she's 14 right now. And uh, while I was on that trip, I got the first email of us trying to figure out some dates. I was like, oh, that's kind of rad. And she was just next to me. And she's like, what? And I just, well, there's this person that I know from Minneapolis. She's like a dope artist. Da-da-da. And I explained who you were. And I just said your name. And she is like the smartest, most fucking amazing young woman ever. And she was, so she's next to me and she's now standing. And she just balled her hands into fists and she went, Hamilton. <laughs> and turns out she, fuck, she knew your whole fucking song by heart and was just kind of getting into at that age. So, the, I mean, this is also a few years ago for when that came out. She's now at 14 just getting into like finding her own music and whatnot. And so I was like, hey, what if we like kind of start collabing on some playlists and trading some stuff back and forth? And it was really fucking rad to get to send her like five out of six and velodrome and like, and then just hearing her process that like she hasn't had to deal with much of the shit in the world yet, but she can still like the more that she reads, the more that she learns, she knows what the fuck is out there and watching her get to identify that with that is like, it's just rad, like hearing somebody's voice who has been in my ears for so long as something that I have loved, watching it wash across this incredibly intelligent young woman's face and watching her like start to glow as she's like internalizing those lyrics. It's an incredible thing. Feels. And I'm sorry. I'm yeah. And I'm feels. sorry. I didn't want to get all swooshy, but the fact that you referenced it, I was like, I kind of got it. I just, I just wanted to tell you that. Like okay. it's the way that that ripples out, like so many more and again going back to i'm not going to discount us on this either like the amount of people that i had no idea like listen to this show it's wild the ripples that come out whenever you put your voice on anything the ripples that come out from that like you have you never know and in unanticipatable ways Absolutely. right i mean i imagine the yeah the the comments that you receive are not always those that you could anticipate well mm. you mentioned even just like deciding to put like a din of conversation on a new year's uh, DJ set and that fucking blows motherfuckers out like legit yeah. never even thought anybody would notice sure. I wanted to do it because it sounded better in my headphones sure. and it's, it was just sure. a reminder again for all of us and for everyone listening that you're other people hear your voice than who you think is hearing you talk I, I, do, and, I, I do think there's a I do think that genuine and earnest work um has a has a guy. It, I'm not generally like I don't have crystals. I, I don't drink tea from a desert. Like was that, was that, a, was that a CC to laser? I'm beak? just not very. Yo, shots fired. No, I'm terrified of I'm, laser. Laser beak won't get this far. But I feel like <laughs> I feel like the idea that um, I think well done, truthful work finds its own way. Absolutely. Almost in the sense that we would be presumptuous to imagine that we could chart its course. So like. After you click go, you know what I mean. The way that people find uh, resonance with that, with that content, with that product, with that artwork, um, would be impossible to determine or control, and even difficult yes. to anticipate. Like it's out there. Yeah, absolutely. We have we have this sort of uh, mantra in my studio that was started by um, one of the first illustrators I hired, Alexander Triton. And he would always say when he finished an illustration that 
uh, it's not mine anymore. Yeah. Like he'd say, you know, because I'd say, I'm going to do these things to it. And then the senior designer is going to do some shit to it. And he's like, it's not mine anymore. So we say that when we like send something out into the world is like the world's going to receive it the way that they want to receive it, regardless of our intentions. Our job is to try to make it land in a specific way. But if it doesn't, hopefully it lands positively because it's it's not ours anymore. Like Yes. Also, that's you, you do such a nice job of throughout the, I mean, this conversation and the others that I'd heard, like, you do such a nice job of attributing. You credit your people. It's very sweet. Oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think that's important, right? It is. Like, people need to, yeah. People it is. To, people should be credited more. A hundred. But I think also in, like, fast-flowing, organic conversation, it can be easy to, like, get lost in the current, and you really make a point. That's classy. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, you're a present to all of us. In your, in your and the last will become first, and the first will become. You're still <laughs> framing that comment. Like, hey, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Uh, well, we've kind of reached the end of the 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 questions. I can't thank you enough for being here. This, this is has so been fun. so much fun, and yeah, it's, uh, been yeah. it's just it, we we. I think we say this time and time again. Uh, it's it's so rad to have somebody, whether it's literally a complete stranger. Or somebody who has existed in in dissimilar elliptical orbits, uh, it's fucking rad when you get to just sit down and and talk about life and this experience with everybody. Because like, we have no idea what we're doing or where it's going. We just try and steer it the best we can, like bumper bowling, you know. But like, we don't know. And the more I think, the more that that we acknowledge that commonality of complete <laughs> complete inability to navigate. It's, it's kind of nice. You know, like, hey, if we're all just floating and trying to figure it out, it's kind of cool when you, when you keep realizing that everybody's in the same fucking spot. Action items. Let's get down to, Let's the, real go. Sh- let's get down to the real shit. Here we go. I'm going to hit both of y'all up when okay. I'm going to cities. I just started dating someone. And, and he's like, so you've been all around the country, but I don't know shit about any of these places, but I want to front like I do. I'm going to hit you guys up. Put us in the phone. Put us in, a, in, yeah, in the phone on a, on a, under, under cheat codes. That's what I'm talking and about. You, you can just yeah. hit us up and be like, I got to hit cheat codes yeah. real quick. Okay, so cheat codes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the best photo that I can of the recently purchased moleskin notebook so that you can tell me what the Pantone is. Yes. Is this yeah. Charlotte Hornets or not? Right? <laughs> so and, excited. And then next time I've got a couple, I've got a good bag from mom. I'm going to send over the summer sausage. Oh, my God. Please do. Ooh. Please do. Yes. Okay. We, we try not to eat on this episode, but I might. Or maybe we could zoom. Why don't you do it after the cut? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, need, no need for on air. This is not public radio. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have like, yeah. You'll notice my... <laughs> I answer really rapidly, and then you hear the mic swing. <laughs> just so you're dumb, snacking dumb. on <laughs> snacking on summer sausage. Uh, listening to Karen Foley and eat a dry piece of bread. It's fine. It's, <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've, we've had some wild moments on we've this show. Some, like yeah. we're crazy like that. Peter Bean have his his mic literally fall in the dumpling. Oh pan. my god. Yeah. As I was videotaping, by the way, so I still have the video. Literally, of it. like this dude—that's interactive audio. This right dude there. is cooking the greatest <laughs> dumplings we've ever had, and yeah. while he's doing it live on air, oh. the microphone, microphone just right the tips <laughs> like like the thirsty is it bird. Like that? Yep. Yes, and yeah. then it's just like all you could hear was like smooshed sizzling, just. <laughs> 
Name better ASMR than the yeah, exactly, him actually exactly. cooking the mic with the double. Emergent ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Oh man. We went we went multi sense. It was yeah. It was I still amazing. we should post that video at some point because I still have the video. Oh, we God, never we absolutely it. should. <laughs> Fuck. It would uh, be so rad. Uh, all right. Well, um, is there anything that that you want to plug? As I'm punching lamps. Uh, okay. Maybe the la- the last thing I'll say is just oops. yeah. If if anybody was like what what a delightful new stranger that if they want to say hello mm-hmm. or get connected on socials. Mm-hmm. I'm Dessa, D-E-S-S-A on Instagram and Dessa Darling everywhere else. Did you just ASL that while you were talking? That was kind of rad. My dad, when I was a little kid, was studying to be an audiologist. So I was like, naturally, I will work in his office. So I did learn a little finger spelling. That was, that was, I don't even know if you consciously were doing that, but that was really cool to see. Sorry. <laughs> and then, yeah, if people are local, meaning, you know, Minnesota-based, I guess, that my, the next big thing in my universe is three shows back-to-back with the Minnesota Orchestra in, like, late summer 2023 so that that's like my thing thing you know for the next few months to get ready for and if you want to go to the raddest of those three shows uh clearly august 4th no. is the one to go to <laughs> just so y'all know are you coming coming will yeah, you hang man. out will you hang out backstage Fuck. afterwards dude that's uh, that's a part of jenny and i's uh, wedding anniversary are tickets on sale hey hey yes hey I want to take let's get in. you backstage yeah. you already bought one you're on the list let's let's we'll connect later <laughs> let's we'll, go cheat codes yeah. we'll yep. sort this out yeah that's uh that's a part of the of the the uh wedding anniversary extravaganza that week so so yeah that's yeah that's a week after our wedding anniversary too july 27th so boom wedding anniversary is all around let's figure that out love love is all around (laughs) uh oh also i have to give you credit you are the only other human dessa on earth that has ever put a flag in the ground for the thing that's made me the most angry for my entire life And that, I just want to call it out. Uh Uh-oh. We got to give flowers when flowers are needed. You finally put on wax. A fucking cue in cursive is a two, and it's the worst (laughs) shit ever. I fucking hated, hated. Pound it up. Pound it up. I hated my last name. It's unacceptable. When I was in elementary school, because we had to write everything in cursive. Mm. Everything in my school had to be in cursive. That was the proper writing. So my name a lot of was Ben Tuam every single fucking time. And the minute I didn't have to write ben Tuam, anymore. Thanks for the memories. I yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the minute that I didn't have to write in cursive anymore, I never wrote in cursive again because was over. of the cue. Yeah. I have I have fought that my entire fucking life. And the cue is so dope. Right. So, right? For it to be demoted. For it to be yeah. sullied. It's mm. it's a perfect character <laughs> for design and then the best in a signature you make a full circle and then you just draw a line all the way through it and you're you're good to go like i i i have fought a long hard solo war and i still remember the first time i heard shrimp and i was like <gasps> someone else saw it someone else gets it okay wait i i know the word we are in what what glider pilots my dad calls flat a glide we're descending i know that so very quickly i'll just say there was this there's a famous Japanese haiku. I don't read uh, Japanese characters, but it's essentially about a frog jumping into a still pond and the like concentric ripples that it mm-hmm. leaves. Mm. There was a really famous translator who was tasked with translating what is this iconic poem? Thought, 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 thought. His final translation was a capital Q. 
the cue being the flight path of the frog into the pond. Oh. Come on. Come on. Oh, my God. Uh, Dad, whenever you hear this, that's the new <laughs> definition of the cue. Mm. Holy shit. It's, it, it's, a, it's been a lonely battle. And let me just tell you, having, having a momentary partner in the battle, it, it meant a lot. <laughs> to all of us cue first and last names out there, we had a warrior, and her, her name is Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so rather than uh, the normal uh, laser beak outro, uh, we thought we'd, we'd maybe throw something else on there. Um, so we're going to give an entire song in its entirety at the end of this episode. Uh, did you decide what you wanted to do? I did. So we're going to go from an abridged laser beak outro to an entire laser beak beat. Um, Working with Laserbeak for the better part of my career. Friends with Laserbeak for the best parts of my life. I love him. This is a song called Blush, produced by my guy, Laserbeak, along with Andy Thompson. Uh, can I, well, just ask everybody, when, when you're done with this episode, just listen to this fucking song. It's absolutely wonderful, and it's the jam. And, unbeknownst, I did not know that you were going to pick this before us meeting here today, but... For the five of you that follow me on my personal social media, this was song 18 of the best songs of the last year. So if you want to read what I wrote about it, yeah, go check that shit out. If you don't, yeah. fuck off. Uh, Charles, anything you want to plug? Any pluggable plugs? Feeling good. Anything fun coming up on the, uh, the Club Caraway scene? Absolutely. TBD? That's a, you know... That only appeals to like a very small amount of people. Well, that's fine. Yeah, of course. Club Caraway rules. If you're in Minneapolis, come yeah. check us out. Check us out on social media, and uh, look for us coming to New York. Yes, we yeah. gotta go. We gotta go see some Nonas and cheat do codes. some some intro views. Cheat codes and Nonas. Cheat codes and Nonas. I'm good with that too, man. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. a great <laughs> title. Oh my god, that might be that might be the best one that we've come Maybe up with. Nona's tonight. cheat codes. Maybe Nona's <laughs> cheat codes. <laughs> uh, we love you guys so much. This is the first episode of 2023, so Happy New Year! And uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, this is Blush by Dessa. You like it when I wear my hair down, but I say that way it just gets in my eyes. You say that's exactly what you like so much. I think that sums us up sometimes. I'll be your favorite me, mostly carefree. Laughs easily, but what you can't see in my routine is how hard it gets to keep the heartbeat clean. I can see the problem clearly, clearly. I can see the simple fact is that you like me in theory. And I like you back in practice I'm a moon for you Give you just the good side Save you all the best lines Sometimes I wish that I was immune to you Could see you and go right by Pull myself away from your high tide I'll be fine again by morning light I set a timer to remind myself Not such a sentimental for me Why of all of the people on the planet Can't think of anybody else I know we're supposed to keep it light But no one can pick their appetite So I think I'm done up on the tightrope I want a love that feels like more than just survival My beauty, my anger, my sadness All anchored, they're fused To the bone 